Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best Amber Relate Show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And sitting right over here, ladies and gentlemen, he is writer, director, producer. You can catch uh, his latest project that he's worked on, Dota, on Netflix. He is one Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, you know what? We're this much closer <laughs> to the bat, man. Tuesday. What day is it today? Thursday? It's one, yeah. Thursday, bro. One, two, three, four, five days. Five days until we get to see the, the Batman. I'm very the, excited. Uh, the world premiere was last night in London. Yep. And we're going to talk about the first reactions that I have come mean, out from it. seeing Paul Dano, you told me you hit me to that clip this morning. I mean, how excited are we, John? Uh, I, we're pretty damn excited. We are pretty damn excited. All right. Also joining us, sitting right beside him. He is also always so excited. He's joining you guys in the live chat today, of course. Going to be hanging out with you guys there. Mr. Ray Ora. Ray, hey, 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 I'm already drinking my Red Bull, getting ready for that <laughs> Batman. By the way, you finally watched Free Guy. Oh, yeah. How did you like it? Loved it. Isn't that movie great? Yeah, it's good. It's oh. really good. I liked it. It's a good time. Do you all right. sleep at all? Huh? You sleep at all? No. No sleeping? No, because there's a lot of explosions and like sounds and everything that it, I couldn't sleep. Just checking. Yeah. And sitting beside him. She's got a car, and it works, and it got her here. Chris Carr is here. Chris, how you doing? I'm so good. I have a window again. Shout out to the wonderful people at PNG uh, Glass in the Valley. They were so nice. They fixed my window and came to me. They fixed my passenger mirror for free because that also got really? knocked off. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's pretty they nice. Were, man, Jose just felt real bad for me. He just looked at my car and was like, oh, you're having a bad time, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, and of course, guys, it is great to have you here joining us and a little bit of how today's show is going to go. We break it into two parts. In the first half of the show, we talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. If you'd like to get in a live comment or question, just simply use the super chat feature in the live chat. So obviously you have to be watching the show live while you're doing it and get in fast because our, our the super chats are almost full already. I'm going to be shutting it down in about a minute. So if you got something bad about any of the topics there or anything, Fire it in there right away. But also, listen, guys, if you watch the show any of the other 22 hours during the day, you can also send in a question for Rob or I or both of us to discuss on our mailbag show that we do two to three times a week. If you want to get in a comment or question, you're not watching live and you want it on mailbag, simply go down to the description of this video. You'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question right on our show if we deem your question appropriate to be used on Mailbag. And, of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campion Show. Thank you guys so much for your support. Also, some house cleaning. Don't forget, guys, if you need your audio-only version of the John Campion Show and you can't be in front of a YouTube video, there is a podcast version of the show. We simply call the John Campion Show Podcast. Just go on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. And also don't forget, we have launched our new show movie club that we do once we've already got three episodes down. It's and it's, it's burning up the charts. Yeah, John. And it's, it's doing great. It debuted in like the top 10 on Apple podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you want a podcast version of that, and you want to get caught up on it in audio format, just go on your favorite podcasting app and search for movie club, a John Campion show podcast, go find it, subscribe to it. Thank you to all the people who subscribe to it already. And we appreciate your support uh, coming along for us in that. And we are loving doing 
Movie Club. And don't forget, the next installment of Movie Club is going to be this coming Tuesday before we go see Batman. And we're going to be talking about the granddaddy of all adventure films, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So you guys got a few days to get caught up on Raiders of the Lost Ark to come back and join us. Which Ray hasn't seen inexplicably. Which is awesome. I'm kind of excited. I'm so jealous I'm of kind you. of excited he's going to get to watch it for the first yeah. time. And the then bars, uh, the bar is really high for it right now. Oh, yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, it is. Uncharted, baby. <laughs> what? You know what? That's the fair. bar like is it. uncharted. Well, listen, Tom Rothman wouldn't disagree with you. We're going to talk about that in just a second. So, guys, before we get into anything else, let's do a couple of off the tops here, shall we? And our first one is this. One of my favorite actresses in the world is Brie Larson. I just, I love her. I've loved her ever since 21 Jump Street. I mean, I, I loved her in 21 Jump Street. Then she just went on to, you know, get an Academy Award. She's an incredible actress. Then she came out of the gate. She became uh, Captain Marvel. Movie just made a billion dollars at the box office. Uh, she's just kind of killing it. And so at her core, what a lot of people may not know about Brie Larson is she's also very much just a geek girl. She loves all the geek stuff. I've seen her rocking Dungeons and Dragons gear. I've seen her with some Critical Role stuff. Uh, she was talking a lot about her love of Star Wars and wanting to be in a Star Wars movie. Well, now she's thinking even a little bit more. Uh, maybe she's getting a little bit carried away because now Brie Larson is saying, well, number one, she would love to be in a Fast and the Furious movie, which is fine. She loves the Fast and the Furious movies. Great. But she thinks it would be a great idea to have the Avengers hook up with Dominic Toretto and his crew in the ultimate team-up movie and something she is calling a gajillion dollar idea. Uh, this is Brie Lars coming to us from the folks over at Cinema Blend. She writes, please, please tell everybody I would of course want to be in a Fast and the Furious movie. I'm obsessed. I love them. I think they're so good and they're so fun and they've made me appreciate cars. I'm down to play new characters and whatever, whatever it takes, but I'm very down for a crossover moment. I think you've tapped into something that is a true love of mine, so I'd be so down. She goes on to call that the Avengers teaming up with Dominic Toretto crew would be a gazillion dollar idea. <laughs> okay, now here's the strangest thing about what Brie Larson just said. She's not wrong. As dumb of an idea as this is, and, I'll and I love Brie. Brie's an incredible actress. I think she's fantastic. But as great as she is, I think this is a whole bunch of crazy, but she's not completely wrong. As, as idiotic as I think it would be, and obviously she is saying this with tongue firmly planted in cheek, obviously. But again, there is a kernel of truth there because as dumb of, a, of an idea as it would be to have Avengers and Dominic Tretto, if, if Vince, if, I almost said Vince Vaughn, if, uh, if Vin, Vin is directing this or writing this or producing it, He's just as powerful as anybody on the Avengers. So it would be a totally even thing. And she's not wrong. It would make a ridiculous amount of money at the box office. But a gazillion? Gajillion. A gajillion? A gajillion. Oh, no, you're right. The quote is a gazillion. I stand corrected, Chris. <laughs> it is a gazillion. I got to make gajillion sure I'm accurate. would be right out. Because you'd be getting, like, the, the Avengers audience isn't necessarily the Fast and the Furious audience. The Fast and the Furious audience isn't necessarily the Avengers audience. There's absolutely some crossover. You put both of them, every MCU fan would watch it, every Fast and the Furious fan would watch it, and make all the money in the world, it would still be the dumbest idea ever. But hey, I got to admire her fandom, got to admire her throwing it out there into the universe, speak it into reality. 
if you will. Rob, you are uh, Fast and Furious 9 notwithstanding. You're a Fast and Furious fan. I am. Uh, what do you think? He has uh, Vin Diesel going in mono mono with Thor there. What do you think? I think there's a reason why actors are given dialogue written by other people. <laughs> uh, no, I, I it, look. Um, I, 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 I was, I, I think the Fast and Furious franchise is headed in the wrong direction for me. Uh, the torpedo on the ice in the Fate of the Furious was pretty far, pretty far. That was field. a bit much. And uh, uh, then going into space in a Fiero. Come on. What? Man. I mean, what if, are these movies? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, look. I think Fast and Fast uh, uh, Fast Five is one of my favorite modern action thriller films i loved it it's the citizen kane of the fast and furious right. franchise i love the drift you know i love the drift fast yeah and furious. i know I love you the love drift. the drift but but the the i think that we need a, a course correction and i don't think teaming up with the avengers is perhaps the best way to go um for either team toretto's team or the avengers i really don't think they would benefit uh crossing over studios it's one thing for sony and marvel to get together and make a spider-man movie i just don't think that Universal and Disney really need to expend any time on uh, this idea. Okay, and and I'm in a complete agreement with you. I uh, but do you concur that if this bad idea of a no, movie I, I opened up this weekend, you don't think uh, it would crack two hundred you know, million at the I box think, office? I think Brie Larson's totes dorbs. I have two hot toys figures of her uh, and a flurkin, and uh, I, I'm I'm down with Brie. You this, don't think that movie would crack $200 million easily on an opening weekend? Fasten the Avengers. Uh, no. You don't think that would crack $200 million? No. You think Spider-Man would crack 250 but the Avengers meets Fast and Furious <laughs> would not crack $200 million. I, I, I think you're I, crazy. I don't think I'm so. I'm with you that it's a terrible idea, but I think you're crazy if you don't think that makes $200 million. I, I, I think that, that the whole idea would finally, even, even movie-going audiences, even the lowest of the low-bar movie-going audience member would be like, you know, yeah, no. Can I remind you that Transformers 4 made over a billion dollars at the box office? Yeah, but that was Transformers 4, and you have Transformers 1, 2, and 3. People love Transformers. <sighs> oh, but how oh. much did Transformers 5 make, John? Or which one was the last night? Five. Was that five? Yeah, that's, yes. it took five for them to finally figure it out. But I'm telling you, the first Avengers Fast and Furious movie crossover would be a terrible idea to make a lot of money. Chris, what do you think about this? You, yeah. you down on this? What with do you think with of my the extensive Fast and Furious knowledge, <laughs> as someone who has only seen Hobbs and Shaw and keeps disappointing which Rob. Which I took you to. Yeah, we went and saw it and I was just like, am I going to miss anything? Did I need to see the others? The, <laughs> those guys aren't even part of the actual core group that's why i was yeah. fine i could watch and just go okay this is this is just a movie on its own um this seems like something brie wants to do because it'd be really fun for her and oh, i mean sure, of course. Why, why wouldn't we want to do something like that right it's it's your adage rob wouldn't it be fun if what if we did that um wouldn't it be cool if we had cool this would be not cool? be cool i don't know if it would be cool she'd have a co cool time the the whole thing though is what would the story be like for why for why would this be a crossover it would, uh, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. And, and clearly, she's obviously saying this yeah. very much tongue in cheek, but obviously. I'm, but I'd love I'm her just to be telling the franchise. you. No, she's throwing it out. She's like, it's like Oprah's The Secret. Remember, she was promoting The <laughs> she's Secret. She's manifesting. Yeah, she's manifesting you, this out there. It would make a ass ton of money. I'd I would, go see it. I, and I think a lot of people would. I mean, I'd be like, I listen, I'm not going to lie. It's a terrible idea. I'd go see it too. Yeah. I'd be curious, like a car wreck. Exactly. To go see it, so. I'm very attracted to those, so, you know. Ray, you'd go see this movie, wouldn't you? 
If it's uh, 90 minutes well, long. Why not? Why stop here? Why don't we get a little deal with uh, Warner Brothers? Godzilla and Kong <laughs> Godzilla against Kong. Avengers. That's it. Godzilla and Kong versus Avengers. That's a better period. idea. Oh, now he's down. With the That's idea. a better idea. Ka Kaiju in, in the Marvel Cinematic but, Universe. Because we could get Devil Dinosaur and make it a real. Well, I mean, there was some talk about Devil Dinosaur before. Uh, we got that? the Savage Land. I mean, you know, why not? All right, guys. Let's, no, wait, wait. Let's uh -oh. go with the more logical thing. Yeah, of course. Brie Larson in a Fast in a Furious movie. Yeah, I, I could see her playing the villain. Like a, a good villain in it. Well, but. yeah, now, if you're going straight up her being in a Fast and Furious movie, I agree with you. I think it's a great idea. She would make a... Look, Charlie Theron, despite the fact that the movies she's appeared in has been weak, what's her character's name? Cypher. Cypher. I haven't seen it. Her as Cypher is a pretty menacing kind of a, of a character. You get somebody like a Brie Larson in there, too. I think that she could play a pretty great villain in that. She's mm -hmm. Charlie's sister. Ooh. Yes, because they've, they've already done that. They've already done that. comes back with to the family. family with Luke Evans and Jason Statham. So yep. Luke Evans was the big villain. They beat him, so his big brother comes hunting for them, kills Han. They should have kept him dead. But anyway, yes, we just messed up the whole story. Now they got things are wrecked. Now they got to go back. All right, guys. Well, they are in the process of making Fast Ten. Yes, they are, oh. and maybe she's already on set. Question is for you guys. Obviously, she's being facetious and joking around, but what do you think? Is she, though? Avengers <laughs> meets the Fast and the Furious. Number one, how bad of an idea do you think it is? But number two, be honest, how much money would that thing make opening weekend? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this. You know, obviously, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Last Ark was made aspiring to be what Uncharted ultimately became. I just said that for you, Ray. So no, like obviously we were talking about the adventure films today. We were talking we've been talking a lot about Uncharted recently. I did not like the film. I thought there were some really there were some good solid positives in it, but I thought personally that the negatives Unfortunately, I weighed the, the positives, but hey, I'm looking forward to seeing them do another one because I think there are some good bones there to build a franchise around if you lean into the strengths, lean away from the weaknesses. But you know who did like it? Almost everybody else. Yeah. The thing's got like over 90%, at least the last time I checked, had like a 90% verified audience rating. By verified audience rating, that means they verified that these people bought tickets and went to the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's got like over 90%. And for a lot of you guys who watch the John Campion show, you guys have been writing and saying, you know what? I went to go see it and I kind of liked it, which is great. And it far exceeded that $30 million opening weekend, a four-day weekend they said might make about 30, came out over 50. And you know who's touting it as a huge win? Tom Rothman. What a surprise. The Grand Imperial Poobah over at Sony. Formerly uh, a Fox. He's talking it up there. And he's saying this, with over 100 million in box office worldwide in just one weekend, and a 90% positive audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, Uncharted is a new hit movie franchise for the company. This marks a great victory for every single division of the company, as the film was our first major production entirely shut down by the advent of COVID, yet we persevered to complete a picture the audience loves and marketed and distributed it with strategic verve worldwide despite the pandemic now before we go and start talking about you know the quality of the film and how right is he that this is a big victory for them i do want to give him big big him and sony big big props for the second part of a statement there i think a lot of us who are not in the filmmaking business 
we hear, oh yeah, COVID shut things down. They got things back up running and simple, easy, right? Getting these things going, what is it that Brian Cox said in um, Succession? I'm trying to steer a tanker. I think that's what he said. I'm trying to steer a tanker. Spinning up and getting movie productions going is no small or easy task. It sometimes takes years. And what a lot of these studios all, pardon me, went through when the pandemic hit hard, and they had to shut everything down, then schedules got moved, everybody, everybody's personal schedules too, talents schedules, crews schedules, directors and writers and producers and, and studio schedules, everything is thrown up. And then when you start to see a little bit of break in the clouds, then maybe we can ramp back up, trying to spin up that entire production again instantly and get things going. To Sony and all the movies who have done it, but to Sony, this is really their first one to come out of the gate. To have a movie like this that's a huge temple that got completely shut down, that they got it up and going again, and they got it out into theaters to much better results than we thought it was going to have. Seriously, big kudos to them. They deserve big accolades for that, so congratulations to them. Now, let's go back to the other part of what he said. We talked about with over 100 million box office worldwide in one weekend. Hey, again, kudos to you. That is, I mean, that's no Spider-Man numbers, but it is a lot better than what we think it was going to be. The 90% positive audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, big kudos to you guys. That was way ahead of what I thought it was going to be. And again, a lot of you guys watching this, you're right there with it. You guys have been writing and saying that you've liked it. Now, this marks a great victory. This is a new hit franchise for the company. Okay, right here is where I'm going to say that maybe he's getting ahead of himself a little bit. Like, okay, that's great. It's, it's, it's exceeded expectations. The movie got out there. Solid audience score. But a $50 million opening weekend does not a new hit franchise make, especially when your movie hasn't even broken even yet. So I, I'm going to say I think he's getting a little bit ahead of himself on that. But calling it a big victory for every single division of the company, not to mention, if I'm not mistaken, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was Sony, uh, this was PlayStation Studios' first release. I believe it was at any rate. Now, they got a lot more stuff coming from The Last of Us and other things like that, but... Um, hey, it's a it's a it's a nice little win. It's a nice little W. A great victory for a brand new hit franchise that might be pushing it just a little bit. Rob, you're hearing all this. What do you think? Uh, well, first of all, I think you're right. But now think about that. Though Sony is the parent company we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, I think what Tom Rothman is doing is putting on a little show for the powers that be that oversee or own the studio. You know, and, and a lot of intercompany uh, 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 back padding here. PlayStation, obviously, being one of Sony's crown jewels. This is their first PlayStation production. So, and the film wasn't a flop. It's a video game movie that has succeeded. High audience score. People like it. It has that winsome Tom Holland in the lead. And um, it's old-fashioned studio popcorn uh, confection. Uh, it does not... It, it's everything that, that they can point to and say, we've done good. And I, I applaud Tom Rothman for coming out and being a leader and coming out and, and offering kudos to the company and everybody that was involved. I think that's a really good move on his part. And I think celebrating this film uh, for being a win across many departments is a good thing. Now, is it justified? Sometimes does it really need to be? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, for him to come out and say this, obviously, John, it is not Spider-Man No Way Home. What could be? But coming off the heels of Spider-Man No Way Home, 
uh, it doesn't matter how well Uncharted did with the 90% Rotten Tomato score from the audiences, whatever it was going to make was going to be celebrated because the studio's on a roll. So I think it was pretty good that they came out and did this. I think it was good that he did this. Is it? Is it the smash it? We'll know in weeks two, three, and four whether they'll ju- they're justified uh, in in uh, being so. I happy think it's going to have pretty good legs in the second weekend. I mean, because really, all it's all it's really going to be competing against is a relaunch of The Godfather. I mean, so I think which it might by the be way is good. selling out in the uh, AMC. Well, I got my Burbank. tickets. I got my tickets. I just want to ask Rob why you sound so sad when you're talking about Uncharted. You're right. It's not Star Trek. I should be happy. <laughs> no, no. I, it's not that. I, I don't mean to sound sad. You sound so sad. Maybe it's because the geopolitical situation in the world has me down today. Oh yeah. No, but yeah, but no, I man. but I but I have to say, it's not that it, it's it's. Look, I was disappointed. I expected more from right. Uncharted, and I think this celebration of of something that is not a it's not a home run here. We're celebrating a solid double. <laughs> and I think we should save celebra- celebrations hey, for a grand slam. Moneyball, Moneyball taught us doubles win win championships. That's uh, true. And by the Money, way, that movie is so good. Doubles. Oh, that movie is so great. It's so good. I like watching clips of of that movie just when they're talking about who they're going to hire for the team. And Brad Pitt's just yelling at the the the. Oh, it's great. It it is really wonderful. Anyway, Chris, you uh, you see hear these comments. You know, he's calling it a great victory. This is a new hit franchise, but talks a lot about what they had to go through to get the thing made. What's your response to what Rothman said? Is it a franchise if there's just one film right now? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very, very good well, You point. saw how they ended it. Uh, yeah, two true. post-credit there's, scenes. There's two post-credit scenes. There's going to be a second movie, but right now it's just one. <laughs> I went to public school, but I can count. <laughs> and I think that's a little premature to say it's a hit franchise. We have to see how the second film does, which, you know, we've talked about. The second film seems promising. I'm very excited for them to do Drake's Fortune. I think that'll be very, very interesting. And hopefully what will happen, too, is they learn from some of the mistakes of the first one, keep all the things that fans like, all the people viewing it really enjoy, and maybe just kind of up the ante on some of the things that we didn't think were particularly executed well. Um as you had brought up, Rob, maybe going someplace that is actually uncharted as opposed to <laughs> um, you know, there's there's some there's some work to be done here, but kudos to to Sony for doing this. And and well done, PlayStation. I, I really liked the PlayStation shows back in like 2015. I was like really into powers. So I, good for you for having a win, guys. That's nice. By the way, you just brought you did make me realize something when he sang franchise. I think he's talking about uncharted as an overall entertainment franchise oh, sure obviously this is the uncharted games the four four there's four right i've played four there's no uncharted five there's the other spin-off game so. is that true there was like one little spin-off yeah but it wasn't it didn't have anything to do with yeah but but those games all i mean i enjoyed all four uncharted games that i played i thought they were great games so this adds to a franchise and and now it's a multimedia franchise that has moved beyond simple video games and it's gone into films and now they can have other kinds of merchandising so i do think it is part of a franchise and it does if nothing else it does plus the overall value of uncharted as an entertainment entity and not only that the whole playstation productions too this is like maybe the the whole thing the whole overall you're talking now now it's no longer games it's now multimedia they're gonna they might get into television But I do want to want to keep focus on one of the the facts here, though, that this movie is still not broken even. No. Now I believe it'll have decent legs. Like I believe it can it can crack twenty million. In its and it wasn't weekend. a two hundred million dollar. No, no, movie. it was one hundred and twenty. 
So you're you're looking at probably about 280 it needs to pull in solidly to be to be considered profitable. And it it should get there, I think, worldwide. But it's not there yet. So I I think it's great for him. You're right. Rothman's being a leader. He's coming out. And you know what? If you're somebody at Sony and you're working at these studios, to see your guy come out and cheering on what you're doing and drawing things, I bet the lots of people at Pixar would love to see Bob Chapek do that. Yeah. Say, oh yeah, that movie we're gonna put on Disney Plus. And then like so it'd be nice to see. So good to him, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Thing hasn't still even broken even yet. The question is for you guys. What do you think about this? They're calling Uncharted a great victory for them. Did you like the film? Do you, whether you liked it or not or saw it or not, do you think the results it's had so far justify calling it a big win for themselves? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Guys, we want to take just a minute and thank the sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass is offering classes on a wide variety of topics, like all taught by world-class masters at the absolute tops of their field. Each class is broken down out into individual video lessons, usually like around 10 minutes or so long, and members can explore at their own pace. And each class is supported by downloadable materials, lessons, recipes, or more that you can all find at masterclass.com. For example, are you into streaming? Well, you can take the Building Your Streaming class taught by ninjas so you can sharpen up on your streaming skills. Or if you're interested in independent filmmaking, take independent filmmaking from Academy Award winner Spike Lee. You want to get classes on how to direct? How about from Ron Howard? The very first one I personally looked up and got into was Business Leadership by the great Big Papa Iger, Bob Iger himself. And I was absolutely enthralled with it. I love every single minute of this stuff. If any of those apply to you, you need to try Masterclass. So I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a John Campy Show viewer, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Campia. Once again, to get 15% off your annual membership, go to masterclass.com slash Campia. And again, a big thanks to the good folks at Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campus Show. Okay, guys, with all that down, let's now move on to our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campus Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? This is from Nato de Arunda. Greetings from Brazil. I was watching yesterday's show and I was thinking why the platforms don't do the special features like on DVD and Blu-ray on their platforms. I love the Eternals and the Star Wars stuff. They should do this in all their content. What do you think? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Nato. And yeah, look, we were just talking yesterday about the fact that the big release dates for Spider-Man No Way Home for streaming, for Blu-ray and physical media, and it's coming on stars for streaming sometime in the next six months. And we talked a little bit about, too, about the special features and how much we, at least in this room, really like special features. I know that was, like, I stopped buying physical media a long time ago. But for the last, like, two years that I was buying a lot of physical media, the main reason I was buying it was to get those special features. 
I, I loved hearing director's commentary is one of my favorite things in the world. Like I absolutely love that. But then also, you know, hearing from the cinematographer, why they chose shots that they did, or hearing from the writers about, you know, creative decisions that they made, hearing from the actors about what it was like bringing these characters to life. Maybe I was really a sucker for the behind the scenes on the visual effects stuff, and all that kind of stuff. But one of the big things that has been, you know, one of the major differences between physical media and streaming is that while there is some of the streaming stuff that has special features attached to it, Avengers Endgame, it was a great example of that. Like, I love all the commentaries on that. But it has kind of been one of the things that has not transferred over during this era of transition from physical media to streaming. For the most part, we don't get a lot of those bonus features. Now, there are some exceptions. You look at HBO's Game of Thrones. I used to love at the end of every episode of Game of Thrones, they do like a little mini five to six yeah. minute kind of uh, featurette about the episode you just watched. It did the same thing for Handmaid's Tale. Uh, is another thing that, and I love that stuff. But I have really lamented that for the most part on streaming, you do not get these special features. Because special features for me, and I can't speak for anybody else in the room, for me, special features are the things that take me from loving a movie to becoming very personally connected to a movie. You know, I love Braveheart. But once I go in and watch that movie and I hear the commentary from the perspective of the director explaining every scene that goes into it, I now feel invested in that movie. And I feel my, my appreciation for the movie skyrockets. When you open up a physical uh, media thing on your player and you get to see like the deleted scenes or the blooper stuff or the outtakes, it creates an emotional bond between you and the movie itself. Man, I still remember watching uh, Bugs Life and them doing the fake outtakes at the end that was one of the best things i've ever seen and it's and i've always i remember those more clearly than i remember the movie itself it creates this great bond and allows us to take our our love and our fandom of this creative storytelling art and go to deeper levels with it and i adore it and i love it and we're seeing little glimpses of it but really not a lot and i think one of the main reasons this is the case is the fact that i get it any streaming thing you pull up, all it wants you to do is to watch the next thing on streaming. Now, this comes to us from uh, Input Magazine. They wrote something really interesting about this a while ago. They said the following. Hulu, like many other services, has autoplay set up so that as soon as one thing finishes, the next one will start. Disney Plus won't start something without a click, but it'll try to get you to start something else while the credits are rolling. Netflix doesn't let me have uh, a quiet moment from the second I open the app and at one point or another it had buttons to encourage skipping the opening credits or re-watching scenes that had just finished in the middle of a movie. I want to be able to sit with the movies and let them soak in and that's often not easy to do when I'm being pushed to watch something else and move on because to analytics obsessed streaming services everything is content and the goal is for me to be yet another number in a streaming quarterly report. I think that's incredibly insightful, what he's saying there. And I think that does kind of speak to one of the reasons we don't see. When you ask the question, why don't they include more of this stuff? I think there are two significant reasons. One reason is it costs money to make this stuff. I don't think that's the biggest reason because compared to the movie, it's a, it's a single line in the budget. But the bigger reason is I don't think they're interested in us watching that kind of content. They want one show to end. I mean, seriously, an episode on Netflix ends, and before I've even reached down for the remote control, the next episode has started. 
Like it just tries to keep you going. YouTube does the same thing. On some of my devices, I don't have the option to turn off autoplay. On many of my devices, I do, but YouTube just wants you to stay on YouTube. Keep watching the next thing. Keep watching the next thing. And really wonderful bonus content, I think, stands in the way of their objective to get that done. By the way, another great ex exception is Disney Plus, like The Mandalorian. When they, they, like, you don't get special features for each episode, but when the season's done, they put out like a six part series about. And it's so good. And it's so wonderful, right? It's really great. And hopefully Netflix can kind of lead the way in showing the rest of the providers, hey, this this bonus feature stuff can become valuable content in and of itself. But whatever. Rob, I mean, you you have a little bit of skin in this game as a special features producer yourself on some major, major, major films. But yeah. if I can get you to isolate that out for a second and just approach this as the fan of storytelling as you sure. are. Why to you are, are bonus features and stuff like that special to you? And why do you think we don't see it more heavily implemented in the digital age already? Well, that's a, first of all, like you pointed out, I love special features. I think that great special features, and especially I was a big fan of long-form documentaries, they really give you insight into the process, uh, not just how things are made, but why things are made, who is making them. Uh, and obviously I worked on on Lord of the Rings special features and also some of my team went on to make the special features for The Hobbit. And those special features on The Hobbit movies uh, are emotional in themselves. They take you on a journey of all the creative people while it was happening. And they're pretty extraordinary. And I think that they offer historical perspective. There's a lot of value in, in making special features. Um, but I think what's happened with special features is as you pointed out, John, they were expensive to make. Um, even though they're a fraction of what a movie costs, where does that money come from? It's not like they're going off and, and all the money came from when we were making special features from marketing, usually theatrical marketing, or they would have home video marketing. So they had money that was earmarked. It has to come from somewhere, you know, and the money has to come from the entity that is paying for it. And now the problem is they don't have a place to finance special features anymore like they used to they just don't now with something like star wars they know that they're going to have epk crews and people creating behind the scenes content they know that but they're not doing it as much as they probably should even on star wars remember think about when phantom menace came out there's an incredible there was an incredible documentary on that it's one uh, of the best bonus feature stuff ever was phantom menace and it was done over the entire production of the two years or it took to make that movie and when we worked on Superman Returns, I, I had money for a crew and me to be in a foreign country for a year. And I think, unfortunately, they it, there's not enough of the audience that wants these special features. And I think people just decided that there's not as much value in them anymore as we wanted. We had, we had a good portion of time where the DVD and Blu-ray market had special features made by auteur filmmakers that were that were making some incredible stuff our own friend cliff stevenson uh one of the last great pieces of content i saw was the two-hour documentary he made on the making of knives out which he won a saturn award for and um that's a great documentary that should be streaming somewhere will we see it i don't know Chris, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit the other day, but, you know, what's your connection to special features? Do you seek out special features? What kind of special features do you like? And why do you think we haven't seen that special feature 
move from physical media over to streaming as as regularly as maybe it should. I love special features. I'm a sucker for a gag reel, especially as an actor where you get to just see how many mistakes you can make on set, how many choices you can try out on set. It's always so freeing to watch that gag reel where, you know, people are improvising and just trying different lines and seeing what works and you go, oh, okay, that makes me feel so much more free about being on set and really, really allows me to just be in a playground, right? We, uh, most of us, I think, saw the Peacemaker outtakes about a week ago. And so the, good. They're so good, but it also just shows you how much James Gunn was allowing people to play and just try things. And there's so much to learn from watching those as well as just being entertained. Same with the special features. It's just super, super inspiring to see how films are made, how TV's made and go, oh, okay, so that's how I get into that. And that's what sparks so many people to want to get into these things. I know a lot of my post-production friends watch the Mandalorian wrap-ups, right? All the behind the scenes rabidly so they can kind of get this free masterclass in creating worlds and executing television really, really well. I think what it comes down to is what y'all were saying before is it's just not this real easy gateway to more capital, right? Mm. Maybe maybe in an Iger world, but in a Chapek world. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, do we want magic that gets us to some capital or do we want to just get new revenue? You right? know, right. that you just isolated probably the most important reason that special features sort of fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. How do they have, how do you get a monetary return? Exactly. Right. And yeah. you pointed out and reading that article, would it, 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 however, whatever fraction it costs compared to the main, the main event. Yeah. How do you, even if you're spending $10,000, a studio can't justify spending $10,000 if it's not gonna get a return on that money. Mm-hmm. So that comes through adding subscribers. Would, and, and special features by definition are supporting the main show. Exactly. And the main show is what's making money. So then how do you justify well, or see, quantify? And I would argue to them that special features content done right can be every bit as revenue generating as anything else because like how much did it cost like on on a on a cost per minute basis how much did it cost for them to put up the commentary of anthony and joe russo on avengers endgame i mean it cost them a little bit of money for sure but but hardly any and you put up stuff like that there are going to be people not maybe not everybody maybe not even the majority of people but they're going to be people like us in this room who I will invest another two and a half hours right. on this streaming service to watch Endgame, which I've already seen 20 times again, but hearing the commentary and the directors talking through it. And I think if they can figure that out and if, if Disney or if Netflix can kind of lead the way to showing that this can become a value-add piece of content in and of itself, I think we might start seeing more of it. Yeah. As I hope so. Yeah, if that could if that could lead to subscribers. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, or generate more. You know what it, you know what it would do? It wouldn't generate new subscribers. It would, I believe it would increase subscriber loyalty though. I, that, the retention. See, see, that is a very good point. And if they could figure out a way to quantify that and figure out a way like, okay, what is the relationship between people that watch special features and the subscription base or the retention? Like you said, it keeps yeah. people, it keeps so people. I'll tell you what, if Netflix, if Netflix gives us that in, 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 in mass with their movies, I ain't never getting get rid of Netflix. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, John, you know, I made a feature length documentary on the making of Tron for the 20th anniversary of the film. It was nominated for an award. Unfortunately, it was finished in standard def because we didn't have HD then. So basically standard def content is not being, it's not being repurposed. I would up res it and put it on. I think it's a very valuable documentary. It's got Jeff Bridges in it. It's got Bruce Boxleitner in it. It's got Harrison Ellenshaw, who was a big Disney, who worked on Star Wars. It's gone. 
It's there. There's an 88-minute documentary that I made for them that exists. Where is it? Why isn't it on Disney Plus? Why, if you watch Tron, Tron why not? Why not Uprise it? Uh, you know what's funny? It's sometimes they drop these special features just on YouTube without even, yeah. you know, yeah. when they don't have a Disney Warner Brothers has is, done a lot of that. Which they is do a shame, marketing. you know what I mean? But I, I'm just going to repeat it one more time. The Iron Man, the first Iron Man, is the best way you do everything like the case <laughs> the best way you do everything. like the case was the the shape of iron man's face and you lift it up and you get the disc um the the special features from was from a post i mean pre-movie all the way to post movie yeah up it was to really the red good. carpet the only problem i have with that is it's two discs i wish they found a way to make it one disc you know because back it was just a dvd so like they had two discs but yeah that it, it, it was great. So they need to start doing that again. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about that? Are you somebody, maybe you just don't care about special features at all. You're there for the movie, and that's what you're there for. Or maybe you're someone like us, that you love special features. Why don't you think they do it more regular in streaming? Do you think it could come? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? Uh, it comes from such a good name, Evan Alrighty. <laughs> Greetings. I was just reading that after Discovery takes over Warner Brothers and all their stuff, the new boss is saying they're not going to spend a lot of money making content. But in today's streaming wars, isn't that kind of admitting defeat? Netflix, Disney, Peacock, Paramount have all announced they're spending a ton of money on content. Will WB fall behind if it doesn't do the same? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Evan. And yes, I think there is a, a huge pivotal event in the history of the streaming wars is coming up here. And that is, for those of you who may not know, Discovery is getting ready to take over Warner Media. It includes Warner Brothers, HBO Max, all that kind of stuff. Discovery is taking them over under the leadership of Discovery CEO David Zaslav, who has brilliantly guided the formation, establishment, launch, and growth of the Discovery Plus thing. That thing has turned into a massive hit for people on a pretty modest budget compared to all the other streaming services. They've done such a good job, and he as a leader has done such a great job empowering the heads of all of his different studios, the heads of his Food Network, the heads of his HG Network, the heads of his like five or six other networks. He empowers them, he enables them, he lets them do their stuff, they create great stuff, and it's been hugely profitable to the point that they can buy Warner Brothers. And it's done. They're getting ready to take it over. It's just getting ready to clear the final hurdles, and it's all going to be done. Now, in the streaming wars, we've heard a lot lately about Disney's announced they're going to be spending $13 billion more on original content. Uh, Peacock just said they're going to spend over the next two years $11 billion on new content. And it's, it's become an arms race. And who can outspend who? Well, in an investor's call, CEO of Discovery, who's about to be the boss of Warner Brothers, basically just laid out, we are not going to get into an arms race, proving he's actually the smartest guy on the block already. This is what he had to say. This comes to us from Variety. Discovery CEO promises that the company is not in a race to win the quote-unquote spending wars on content when it closes its deal to acquire AT&T's Warner Media and become Warner Brothers Discovery. We're going to spend more on content, but you're not going to see us come in and say, all right, we're going to spend $5 billion more on content, Zazaf said during an investor call Thursday to discuss the company's 
fourth quarter earnings results. Discovery CFO Gunnar Weidenfels echoed Zaslav's point saying, it's not about winning. I love this. Listen to this. It's not about winning and spending more money doesn't score goals. It's not about winning and spending more money doesn't score goals. And we're going to spend money on content, but we're not going to say, hey, what's that guy spending? We're going to spend $5 billion more than that. It's not what it's about. And if you want any more proof that just throwing money at things doesn't bring you titles, look at the New York Yankees. <laughs> or, or, or whoever. I got that sports reference. I got I sports ball. <laughs> I get it. Or heavens, look at the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh. Or don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a great I saw a great meme the other day. It was I think it said uh, number of rings since 1989 or something like that. Dallas Cowboys two, Jennifer Lopez five, <laughs> and had with her various fiancés on their knee putting the ring on her ah, a little bit of a zinger there. But I, seriously, just throw money at the win. And I'll tell you why. To me, when I read that, it just re-emphasized to me that Zaslav and his regime are going to be the smartest group of guys on the block in this streaming war stuff now that Big Papa Iger's gone, is that, number one, we are not here to win the streaming wars. We're here to be successful. That's what we're here to be. If somebody else wants to be even more successful, that has nothing to do with us. We are not here to outspend people. We are not going to engage in the spending wars. We are going to create good content and we're going to be successful, and we're going to be profitable, and it's not about who can win the race to spend more money. Because spending more money does not guarantee you results. At all. I remember when, when I was running AMC and later Collider and stuff like that, there were companies spending a hell of a lot more money on their online content than us, and we dwarfed them. At the same time, there were YouTube channels in the in the entertainment business to spend a hell of a lot less money than we did at AMC or Collider, and they dwarfed us. Money is a great tool, but like any tool, it has to be used efficiently, and the very fact that Zaslav isn't coming out saying, we are going to win the streaming wars, we're going to be the king of the hill, that's folly. You focus on being successful, getting the W, getting the win, not over somebody else, but for yourself. You focus on that. You become reasonable with your spending. You put the money where it's going to be most effective and not just throw it around frivolously. You're going to be the guy standing when it comes to the end of it. And I'll tell you what, I love this. And notice he didn't come out and say, we're not going to spend any money. No, he just came out and said, we're not going to come out and say, we're going to spend $5 billion more than, like, no. They're going to spend money. They're going to, he knows how to spend money and they're going to do it. But they're going to do it responsibly they're going to run a tight ship. And I think you're going to see Warner Brothers going to new heights. And we have not ever, but then we've seen in the last 15, 20 years. Anyway, Rob, uh, these are some bit of pretty, I think these are incredible statements coming from these guys. Over Agreed. There. What do you make of their philosophy right now? Well, you know, there's a friend of this channel, friend of my channel too, somebody very ensconced in the industry who I admire and respect, who I asked him similar question about this about six months ago. And he said right now that most of the streaming services are spending 100 to 150% of what they're taking in via subscriptions. Yes. That is unsustainable. And it is bad business. And I understand why they're doing it. Warner Brothers, Warner, Warner 
Media Discovery. What do we, do we know? They called it something. Is it now Warner Discovery? What is Warner the Warner Media Discovery or Warner. something like something along? Actually, you know what? Let me bring up the the screen again. I'll tell you what it is. It's going to be called Warner Brothers Discovery. Okay, I, I don't Brothers, like the name. For the record, Warner I don't Brothers, like the name. Warner Brothers Discovery is not. Look, there these other streaming services are are committing business practices that aren't in the their best long term interests. What Warner Brothers Discovery is doing, they're already making successful shows that aren't expensive shows, like those cooking shows. A lot of the Discovery Channel shows are cost-effective, and they bring in huge numbers. So what Zaslav is doing is he's positioning, first of all, the company to not say, like you said, we're going to go out and win these wars. We're gonna f- There's no war to fight. All you have to do is continue what you're doing, which is making great content that gets people to watch and subscribe. And you don't have to spend inordinate, amount, inordinate amounts of money that put you in the hole. Why would you spend 150% of what you're taking in? What business can survive? He's not going to do that. And they're going to make, they're going to spend their money effectively. They're going to spend their money where it's most uh, useful. And they're going to create great entertainment for their subscription base. And because what you're doing in the, to win the subscription wars, John, or to win the streaming wars or whatever you want to call it, is to establish a group of people that are your consumers that have loyalty to you because you're providing them with great entertainment. That's it. That's your job. And if you retain those subscribers month to month to month, you will win. And here's the thing. I think we're going to see Zaslav, like, he'll spend money on big projects. Sure. We're like, when, when he takes over Warner Brothers and they want to make the next Justice League movie, he's going to open up because he'll believe that's going to be money well invested that he's going to get a return on. What you won't see him then do is turn around and make 20 other little things that they can just throw more money at than they do at Justice League altogether. So I think he's going to spend money, but he's going to spend it responsibly. And we're going to see how that all kind of turns out. Chris, you know, you're you're hearing these words. You know, you've been involved in the entertainment industry in a lot of different levels. What do you make of what he's saying here? I think it's smart. And it's nice to hear that it's just not about throwing money at stuff to see what sticks. I keep kind of thinking about, too, all the times that we've had people write in on this show. How do I get viewers? How do I get things? How do I do this? How do I grow my audience? It begins with the content you already have and creating that to be what your your people need, what people want to listen to, tune into, all that good stuff. So making sure that you're taking care of that subscriber base, making sure you are taking care of the IP you already have and making sure it all really, really shines, that's a really nice place to start. And throwing billions of dollars at other IP that you want to collect or trying to do other things, it's not always what's going to get the baby bath, you know? If right. you had asked me too a couple of years ago if Discovery was going to be the one buying Warner, Never. like what? Never. That's you were thinking the other way around. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Of just, uh, okay, Warner Brothers is going to do Shark Week now, I guess. Neat. <laughs> but this is really, really exciting stuff. And it's nice to hear somebody tackle a problem from a different angle because when you see people do the same approach always and it's not working, why would you do the same approach too? This is really refreshing to see, frankly. Well, and you brought up something great. It's like when people ask us about a YouTube channel, what you're selling is you. Exactly. What do you bring that's different than any other YouTuber? What's your special sauce? Yeah, that's and that's why people tune into YouTube. Why do people turn into something like Discovery? Shark Week, call it what you want. It's consistent quality programming. Mm-hmm. That's all you're looking for. And Zaslav's going to spend the money when he knows he's going to make something. You brought up Justice League, John. 
you look at those numbers on Zack Snyder's Justice League, I don't know how much money they, or how much it generated, but if those numbers hold, that's something people watch over and over and over again. People will come back to a streaming service that has their favorite movies. They watch them as comfort food. If Warner Brothers is concentrating on making great films that do well on their streaming service, HBO, like you've pointed out, is already the Tiffany standard of streaming series. When it comes to excellence, yeah. And they make incredible stuff. And so that's where that he's coming into a company's that's that's already doing that. You think he's going to make HBO make we're going to we're going to do 30 new shows on HBO. No. They'll make five really good shows. You got the Gilded Age. I mean, I never thought I'd be worried or want to be concerned with, you know, a Downton Abbey. Julian was follows or fellows or whatever. Barry's coming back? I, I I yeah, I mean all these shows. I'm like Every HBO show, have you ever seen, other than like what Arliss was HBO, wasn't it? I believe it was, yeah. Not a favorite of mine. But other than that, HBO shows, were there any really bad HBO shows? Like mm. ever? Honestly, the first show on HBO that I, I believe, now I maybe I'm not remembering some, but that I started watching I just couldn't keep getting into it was Euphoria. That was the first one. And that's, that's an excellently made show. It's just that... The subject matter for me is it just leaves me feeling. It's kind also of icky. a zeitgeist yeah. show now. It's captured the imagination yes, of young girls everywhere. Yeah, that's another one, one for things. me too, John. It's just too hard for me to watch it. Yeah, but that's it. But everything else that uh, anything else I try on HBO works. I mean, that's just what they've done and done historically. Anyway, guys, the question is for you: What do you think about the words from the Discovery CEO David Zaslav saying, "Hey, we're not here to win the spending wars." That's not what we're here to do. I think he's already proven that he's going to be the smartest guy in this business now that Papa Iger isn't there. What do you guys think? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? Chris, what is our third main topic today? Third topic is from Extant Crab. Hi, John. <laughs> Big fan of the show. I was wondering what you think the chances are of Sir Ian McKellen appearing in the new Doctor Strange movie as Magneto. Considering Professor X is going to be there and also the link between Magneto and Wanda in the comics, is there a possibility that he appears? Thanks and keep up the great work. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, uh, of course, listen, we've been talking a lot about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness ever since that trailer dropped. That incredible, crazy, bar nothing, nutty trailer. Obviously, we had Patrick Stewart pop up in there and everything too. Now, let me give a little bit of an asterisk and a side note here. On yesterday's show... We let you know, Chris wasn't here, so Chris doesn't know, but uh, Rob and I know a significant, we, we know some pretty major things about Doctor Strange too uh, that we are not going to reveal, uh, but it, we let you guys know, suffice it to say, it is ex it excited us a great deal, what we saw. Yes, it did. Uh, what we saw excited us a great deal. That being said, we didn't. We don't know everything. We we didn't read the entire script. We do, there's certainly a lot about. There's certain details about Doctor Strange we have no idea about. One of those details is Magneto, and whether or not Magneto is in this film. So lest one might think, well, man, John, you already know everything about Doctor Strange. You speculating about Magneto is kind of frivolous. No, no, no. We actually don't know. There's a lot of details we all. don't know. So so Magneto is a question mark to us. That's under the the what do they call it, Ray, in World of Warcraft when there's a part of the map you're not on that you can't see. Fog of war. Yeah, there's a bit of fog of war here. I thought it was called big surprise. Big surprise. <laughs> it's called fog of war. So we're under a fog of war as far as Magneto goes and a lot of the other details in this. But you bring up a great question about 
Magneto. Because if there's, and I think there's two reasons why I believe there is a solid, legitimate chance we could see Magneto in this film. All right. And they're both narrative reasons. Not, I want to see Blade pop up. Why? Because Blade's cool. Well, no, 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 no. Like actual story reasons. Story reason number one. If you are going to use this movie to give us our first introduction and indication that there are within the grander realm of the multi-MCU mutants, there are two who are the quintessential face of mutants, Professor Charles Xavier and Eric, also known as Magneto. Those are the two, and they're inseparable. It's like yin and yang. It's like, I don't know, Batman and Robin. It's like the Dallas Cowboys and losing. I mean, one, oh, they just go, whoa, they wow, just dude. go together. It's going after them today. <laughs> Shots across the bow. Shots across the bow. But it's just, they go together, right? Mm -hmm. And if Professor Charles Xavier is there as one, I think it gives you a lot of narrative reasoning to believe that, that maybe a Magneto could be there as well. If you're kind of introducing the concept of X-Men and mutants, there are two faces that represent that concept, and it's Professor X and it's Magneto. But the more important narrative reason why I believe that a Magneto is, is a solid possibility to show up there is not his connection to Charles Xavier. Unless we forget, it's his connection to Wanda. He Wanda Daddy. Now, not in the MCU. Not in well, the MCU. I mean, well. unless her memories were the, uh, the reality altering and all that kind of stuff. But as they presented it so far in the MCU, he's not her daddy. But we know that Wanda Maximoff's real father is Eric. He's her father. And kind of the reason, or one of the main reasons, why she found herself in a moment of anger, rage, and desperation and uttered the words, no more mutants. Which I believe is something that's going to play a part in this movie. As we've been speculating that for a while now. So... I am not ready to say, I'll bet you that Magneto is going to be in this movie. I, I'm not there yet. But I am saying there are two very significant, to me, narrative reasons why if you believe he's going to be there, I can get on board with that. If I had set an over-under, I'd say, I'd go as high as 40%, I, which is pretty close to a coin flip. I would go as high as 40% because, again, I just think story-wise... It would make sense. And if you are going to reference the no more mutants thing, I think Eric should probably be a part of that. Or at least as to the reasons why. Again, I'm speculating, no idea. And I'm, I'm not even saying 80%. I'm saying 40%. Rob, you know, they're writing and they're saying, you know, hey, we got Charles Xavier. What do you think about Magneto? I don't think it's a, it's a crazy thought. Why do you think it is or is not a decent idea that maybe he could be there? Well, let's look at what they've done with the MCU already. They have now incorporated... The, the both the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, which are both different continuities. So they're essentially two different universes that existed. Why shouldn't the Fox X-Men universe also be adjacent to the MCU? Meaning that if you have Patrick Stewart in this movie, you are absolutely saying that the entirety of this Fox, you're not going to, you're not going to pick, well, we're, we're going to take Charles Xavier, but that means nothing else exists. It means that the entire continuity or lack thereof, if because the continu continuity was all over the place. But still, 
the entire Fox X-Men pantheon, 20 years of movies, is also adjacent to the MCU. Meaning that any one of those characters that we saw in those movies could show up in Multiverse of Madness. And why not? And what's really interesting is we've already seen one, even though they played with our... we. We saw it in WandaVision. Whatever vision of Quicksilver or whatever that was, Ralph Boner, whatever you want to call it, and I'm still not convinced that we're not going to revisit that at some point. I am. There's no, <laughs> there's no, well, there's a reason why they did that. And I am willing to bet we have not seen the end of that. There's something, that's a that's something that's going to play out. We're going to see that play out somehow in this movie or somewhere else. And I don't know how, but. They messed with us with WandaVision, and that was... So I really do think that we are going to see... We know Charles Xavier is in this movie. I am willing to bet you, dollars to donuts, 100%, John, over under, 100%, we will see another mutant that we have previously seen in the Fox X-Men movies. Don't know if it's Magneto, but as you pointed out, good guess. And if she did say no more mutants... And she did create a new reality with her family. The trauma, the Stark bomb, whatever it was, that whole thing and the the, the sitcom stuff. Yeah. She re, uh, so those parents she had were the normal human parents she always wanted to have that she mm. never had. So, so that life that she created all the way back to when she was a little girl, she altered all of reality for her whole life in her mind. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Magneto. Chris, you're hearing this. I, I mean, it's an issue. By, by the way, this brings up a secondary question. Not only what do you think the chances are, what would be the, the reasons for or against Magneto popping up, but then if he does, the other part of the question we haven't asked yet is, what Magneto do we see? Do we see a Sir Ian McKellen that is more akin to the Patrick Stewart era of X-Men, or do we see a Michael Fassbender? Yeah who so wonderfully picked up the mantle from, from Ian McKellen. So I don't know. How do you see this? Papa Magneto or is it Daddy Magneto? You know? <laughs> who are we getting? Who are we getting? Um, I do think it makes sense. But I mean, honestly, at this point, I could see my Aunt Barbara in Multiverse of Madness and be like, that makes sense. This all pans out to me. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to say, though, because we had so many Easter eggs in WandaVision. Are those actually buried memories of Wanda's or are they just Easter eggs? Yes, right? I know. That's the, my favorite question that's, right that's now. That's what's so interesting because we have, like, in the in the very first episode, we see bova milk everywhere, right? Referencing the humanoid cow nurse that she had as a child that her parents, like, dumped her off at. Where I think it was her and Pietro were dumped off with this, like, cow nurse. So is that a buried memory? Is that buried trauma or something of hers that ties in her actual father and her actual origin story? When we see her talking to that other Wanda, in the trailer is she talking to a Wanda who's grieving the loss of her children instead of grieving vision you know there's a lot of stuff that could mean that Magne Magneto is part of this but that's I mean anything is possible right I mean you talk about Kevin Feige talking about we're going to see mutants in five years and John you pointed out if that's the case they planned it yeah they've been planning this and if it is this no more mutants thing and if if and by the way this is speculation versus expectation for sure i mean my problem now is my speculation is my expectation which i hate <laughs> i mean i don't like that i mean I, I in my mind i've already i'm already convinced that they've been playing this long game with the mutants and this is where they're building up to the introduction of the x-men in the franchise and that is my expectation it's also my speculation and i i wish i could break free of it john i think about this every day because you put that in my head 
<laughs> but if that was the case, that means everything in WandaVision was very much intentional. And I think it is. I think it absolutely was intentional. Uh, I, I agree. Except for the Bonner part, because I honestly think he was, the, I think that was the greatest troll of the audiences ever by Kevin Feige. I just, I think that that was but, the purpose. Yeah, but but the thing is, I don't believe that he would do that. I do. Because it denigrates, it denigrates everything they've built for the rest of the MCU. I, think, I disagree. I think the purpose behind that has yet to be revealed. He's Mephisto. It was Mystique the whole time. <laughs> it was no. Mystique the whole there time. We we'll see. Anyway, guys, the question is for you, and I think there's a couple of interesting ones here. Number one, since Patrick Stewart is there, do you see a narrative purpose while, while maybe a Magneto could appear as well? If so, could he A, be the McKellen era Magneto? Could he B, be the Fassbender era Magneto? Or thirdly, could it be a, a completely separate thing? Could Tom Cruise actually be Magneto? Could he be a Magneto variant oh, in this no. thing? It's a Council of Cruises. I'm telling you, this movie's going to have the Council of Cruises. What do you guys think? Whatever it is, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. We want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now listen, just one stick of Liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It contains five essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. And what makes Liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT. You see, it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more more efficiently. It tastes great and it's a great thing to take when you feel run down, you need your daily hydration boost, or even a little bit of hangover recovery. You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with Liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code CAMPIA at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, CAMPIA. And a big thank you to the folks over at Liquid IV for making this episode of the John Campia Show possible. Okay, guys, with that all down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? Topic four is from Anique Did It. If that is an Apple TV reference, I disagree. <laughs> hey, crew, and especially Ray. Ray has been celebrating the fact that Free Guy has finally come to Disney Plus, and so have we all. <laughs> the movie was one of my favorites last year, and I loved it so much. Did you see that the director of the film had been talking about doing a sequel and that Disney has asked him to make it? What do you think the chances are of another Free Guy movie? And do you think they should do one? Or do you think they should just leave it alone since it was great just as it was? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, listen, Free Guy was one of those movies that, you know, oh, yeah, that looks like it'll be cute. And it, and it does have my favorite movie star in the world in, in Ryan Reynolds. So like, oh, yeah, that looks like it'll be cute. But quite frankly, the, the trailers didn't do a whole ton for me. I mean, the trailers were the trailers. They were all right. They... They kind of look like an amalgamation of a lot of different things we've seen before. And quite frankly, not on a high level of quality, but it looks all right enough. And then I went to go see it. And I absolutely fell in love with this movie. And Anne went to go see um, the uh, the first press screening with me. 
And then we turned around and we went again opening day. And then we went again the next day to see it again. And we, we sat, together saw it three, four times in theaters. And then this morning, you know, I'm in my office working this morning. I walk out to the living room for a second and Anne had gotten up and she's out of bed and she's watching Free Guy on Disney+. Plus. It is just a special movie. A charming, well-performed, beautifully paced, smile on your face, big surprise moments. That ending stuff was absolutely incredible. Uh, I hopefully, hopefully you guys have seen the movie and you know what we're talking about. But it's just a triumph of a movie. I mean, for what it was. This smaller, big, it's a big movie, but a smaller, big movie that just kind of came out, pleased the audience, gave us thrills in the theater, really at a time that we really needed some thrills in the theater. And it gave us that. And it did pretty darn well at the box office, too. So that brings up the question, will they do another one? I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to do another one. They'll absolutely do another one. And where this movie leaves off, look, this movie was made as a self-contained one-shot movie. But when you look at where the movie ends, you can just say to yourself, there are many more stories to tell here. There are a lot of stories you can tell here and go in a new direction with, and I think it'd be exciting. Anyway, the director, Sean Levy, he was asked about this. He said the following. We were thrilled that Free Guy was as successful as it was, and particularly as an original movie, at a time where few get made and even fewer are hits. So that was gratifying. I bet it was. Uh, and if we can crack that sequel, that's something that might be very fun to make together. We had such a clear idea of the tone, the story, the details of Free Guy that we both made, talking about him and Ryan Reynolds, that we both made a few sequels in our lives. And so we know how hard it is to make a worthy sequel. And when we feel confident that that's the kind we'll make, then we'll make it. Now, Sean Levy goes on to explain that Disney has already been on the phone with him several times. Disney wants a free guy too. So they're already approaching it and they want it. And he's right. Sean Levy, we know he's made some sequels in his day. Some good ones, some not good, so good ones. Ryan Reynolds has made some great movies in his time, some not so great movies. So... They know that if they want to follow up Free Guy, they got to have something that's kind of special. But if Disney wants it and the audience wants it, it's going to get done. This will get done. I don't know that it's going to happen in the next year or the next two years. Both Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds obviously have a fairly full dance card right now. But I don't see any reason at all to believe that they wouldn't do one. And quite frankly, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't do one. Yes, you can leave it alone, but who cares? Again, it's like remakes. If you do a sequel and it sucks, doesn't matter. The first one is still there. You can go back and just watch it, enjoy it, and love it for what it is. But I think as a creative team, they come up with something pretty special, and I think it's something that can work. Anyway, Chris, you know, I know you enjoy Free Guy. I love this movie. You know, now that the movie's out on streaming and it's been a while since it was in theaters, how do you look back on the movie and what do you think the chances are that we get another one? Oh, man. Well, first of all, Logan was furious. I came home and he was like, did you know Free Guy's on Disney Plus now? Why did I buy this on YouTube TV? <laughs> I, was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, you've watched it like eight times. You've gotten your return. It's fine. But we love this movie. We love it so much that we bought it ahead of time. Uh, I think this is great. I love that Ryan Reynolds for a while here has just been doing sneaky rom-coms. You go in to see something like Deadpool or Free Guy and then you're like, oh, I love love. Thanks, Ryan. This is great. Love, love. Thank you so much. 
I definitely understand why Disney wants a sequel, but what Sean's saying here makes me feel so much better about it. We'll do a sequel when we have a worthy sequel. That's wonderful, because everything comes down to the script. Everything comes down to the actual content that you're putting out there. And while all of us in this room, I'm pretty sure would watch Ryan read the phone book, I love him so much. I think he's such a wonderful actor and really underrated too. There was this great article a while ago about how he has like a Burt Reynolds problem where people don't get past the charisma and and the good humor and don't always see the value of what a great yeah, actor he is. Just watch Buried. You oh, want to see how good he is, so watch good Buried. Buried. And so I, I really, really trust his gut and Sean's gut here of making sure they make something that is worthy of this film. Rob, you hear uh, the comment Sean Levy's saying, and, and you're right, he brings up facts like, look, when we feel like we've we've cracked the code again, we'll approach it. I think they're going to work very hard to crack that code. I don't think this is something they're going to put on the back burner and wait for. Anyway, you heard his words. Your thoughts on Free Guy and what do you think the chances are of, of not only will they make a sequel, but should they? Well, first of all, I think as an original IP, a successful original IP, it was a breath of fresh air. And it, it took something that we've all played, you know, sandbox video games and the idea of non-player non characters or whatever. Genius con conceit. Really, really good idea and really well executed. I mean, you can't not watch this movie and not have a good time with it. And not it's not just because of Ryan Reynolds, it's everybody. They did such a wonderful job. So I'm kudos to all the success that it's had. I would hope that because in a way, like you talked about, this is a romance. It's also an exploration of where we are at in gaming culture. And yes. it had a lot, it had a lot to say about Great us. Point, Real and and as long as they're able to do that and continue forward, you know, what happens What happens if Ryan Reynolds' character winds up in an entirely different, like a World of Warcraft situation <laughs> where, where he's like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, and it's the same. I don't know what they would do, but but I think that there absolutely will be a sequel to this. I think they're going to come up with a great idea. Sean Levy is stealthily becoming one of the great producers, directors, content providers in Hollywood. He's one of the one of the people behind Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's doing a lot of really interesting stuff and he's kind of under the wire. We don't talk about him, I think, enough, although we should be. And um, I think if he's going to get behind it again, it's going to be great. And by the way, we're focusing a lot, understandably, so am I, on if they did a sequel, where do they go in Free City? What, what does Ryan Reynolds do? But I'll tell you what else. By the end of that movie, because in the first hour of the movie, I don't give a crap about the Millie and Keys character, uh, Jodie Comer and uh, Joe Keery. I don't really care about the first hour. By the end of that movie, so invested, I was in. Yep, I was totally in. So Agreed. not only is there stuff you could move on and explore from within Free City itself, but also with the human characters outside of it, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of possibilities there too. Oh, absolutely. Could be bad. Could be great. Whatever. Question is for you guys. What do you think? about the idea of doing a free guy too. Are you looking forward to it? Do you think they should just skip it all together? Some people may say they don't need to do free guy too. Newsflash, there's never been a movie in the history of humankind that needed to be made. But at any rate, what do you guys think? Jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. Okay guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number five. Chris, what is our fifth and final main topic today? This one comes from Adam Keyes. The first reactions to the Batman are coming out from the UK screening last night, and everyone is saying that it's awesome. Considering the mixed reactions a lot of DC stuff seems to get, do you think this is a good sign that Matt Reeves is delivered? 
can we dare to hope this is actually that good? <laughs> I've been a little hesitant since Affleck is my Batman, but I must admit this sounds promising. Who do you guys think? And Chris's voices are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Adam. And uh, oh my goodness and oh my word and oh my stars and garters. The premiere of Batman took place in London last night and expectedly so. Now, while the, the official critic review embargo does not lift until the 28th, which I believe is Monday morning, uh, there are people in the UK who got to be at the premiere. When you go to a premiere, you ain't under any embargo. And so we were kind of looking forward to seeing what the reactions were going to come out of there. Because, listen, the particularly speaking, the UK-based film media, I, I believe... I can't quantify this is generally a little tougher on their fare than, than we are over here. So I was really curious to see what kind of stuff. Now you guys all know the Batman is my number one, most anticipated movie of the year. I've been losing my mind about this thing. Every trailer, every clip, every score piece of music that comes out, almost every poster, except for that one that looked completely yeah. ridiculous, uh, whatever, but almost every image the casting, who's directing, all this kind of stuff has done nothing but completely had me ascending higher and higher on Expectation Mountain. Not to confuse, you know, speculation. I mean, but like my expectations of this movie are so high. Now, of course, when I go to see it, I'm going to take my expectations, I'm going to put them in a nice little box, and I'm going to leave them at the door, and I'm just going to go in and experience the movie in five days. Five days. So we get there. By the way, we were listening to Paul Dano talking about the batman this morning and paul dano just sent a message to the world that he watches the john campia show because he was talking about the premiere and he said because you know you're there at the premiere and it's game day that's what he said he did of course he didn't say it quite like that but i choose <laughs> but, to believe that paul I, I choose to believe that basically paul dano was letting the world know that he watched the john campia show that's how wow. i choose to interpret it at any rate but he called it game day and indeed it is five days till game day I'm so stoked for this. I cannot believe it. And yes, the first reactions started coming out from what I believe to be a little bit of the harder edge reactioners. And this is what we got. Uh, CBR uh, pulled the quote on this one from MTV. MTV UK, shared, uh, MTV UK shared a handful of the reactions following the premiere in London on February 23rd. That's last night. Quote, Matt Reeves delivers a nail-biting, gritty, and fun Batman coming-of-age story. MTV Movies' Hannah Flint shared. Uh, Unilad went on to call the Batman absolutely euphoric, with Total Film, one of my favorite outlets, calling it sensational. Empire declaring it gripping. And uh, Insider boldly claiming Robert Pattinson will be your new favorite Batman. Damn. Matt Reeves delivers a nail-biting, gritting, and funny and fun Batman coming-of-age story. It is absolutely euphoric, sensational, gripping, and Robert Pattinson will be your new favorite Batman. All right. There's a couple of these. I want to break these into two different parts. First of all, the, the generic more ones coming off, off the top of it there. It's gripping nail biting which is kind of the feeling that the trailers have been giving about it that this it feels like that mid 90s intense thriller kind of thing like maybe what was the one with um morgan freeman kiss the girls yeah like maybe like kind of a, a gripping kind of kiss the girls kind he of played alex cross right? with where he played alex cross not to be confused with the other alex cross 
along, he was in, he kissed the girls and along came a spider. And along came a spider, yeah. And then uh, Medea. Yeah, that uh, did, know, did uh, yeah. Not to be confused. I like him, but I, I didn't, that one didn't work so well. So gripping, absolutely euphoric. I love that phrase as well. So we're hearing just the praise, the general praise. This movie's fantastic. The bold one, though, comes at the end. In a world where we have Michael Keaton's Batman, in a world where we have Ben Affleck's Batman, in a world where we have Christian Bale's Batman, he came out and said, Robert Pattinson's about to be your new favorite Batman. That's them's big words. Those are big fighting words. Now, listen, the person who said that does not know me, does not know you. Who is going to be your favorite Batman? They have no idea of saying, but they said it anyway. And whether or not it turns out to be true that Robert Pattinson can usurp Ben Affleck as my personal favorite Batman, which he doesn't need to, by the way. I don't, I don't need for him to be my new favorite Batman for me to love this movie. But if he did, the fact that they feel safe enough to make a proclamation like that, believing that a lot of people are going to feel that way, that says a lot. He might be right. He might be wrong. But them's his big words. I got to say... I was waiting kind of anxiously to hear the word coming out of these screenings last night because you know how excited I am for this film. And what I didn't want to hear was, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, and that would have been fine. Like, all I want is a good movie. But we, I was nervous about hearing, ah, it's pretty good. It's like, yeah, you know, it uh, doesn't quite live up to the Nolan Batman films. But, uh, hey, it's better than, I don't know. Moonfall. It's better than Moonfall. <laughs> Yay! It's better than Moonfall. I mean, so I didn't know. Now, Rob, you were telling me yesterday, let somebody you know, that had gotten a hold of you before we started the show yesterday, and, yes. and you read me their response because they had seen the movie, and it was extremely positive. Extremely positive. And then I heard from somebody we know last night said, uh, can't say much, favorite movie of the year. And they just left it at that. So... That just put this joker size. Well, it size. is only February, John. I mean, <laughs> well, come on. I, yes, yes, that's true. It's not not a lot to compare it to, but still, it put a joker size smile a smile on my face. Couldn't believe what I was reading. Loving these reactions. Now, listen. Of course, these are reactions coming from individuals, and just because they like the movie that much doesn't mean you will like the movie that much, and it doesn't mean I'll like the movie that much. But it's certainly better than not hearing such positive rave reactions coming out. You know, like sometimes these reactions, well, most of the time the reactions we get out of these things generally end up being how people feel. But sometimes we've seen examples when it doesn't. But you'd rather hear great reactions than bad ones. And these ones are over the top good. Rob, you're hearing these reactions. What are your thoughts and where's your expectation for the Batman right now? Here's the thing. <laughs> We have a spectrum of Batman movies. On one hand, we have the Tim Burton, Anton First production design. This is set in a world unto itself, Batman. And then we've got <laughs> the Joel Schumacher era with Val Kilmer and then, then uh, uh, George Clooney. Then we come on, on further down the spectrum, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which are far more realistic. And somewhere between... The, the Schumacher, Burton era, and the Christopher Nolan era, we have the Zack Snyder era of Batman, which leans more toward fantastical. I think this Batman, 
and the thing that excites me the most about this Batman is this Batman is going to be the most real world Batman that we've ever had. You can see it in the way it's shot, at least from the scenes we've seen. Even the music, John. I keep listening to those three pieces of music that they've so released. Good. They're so good, but it's a totally different realm. I mean, the, the Catwoman theme is jazzy. Jazz has not existed in the Batman franchise. I mean, Prince did, but I'm talking about, you know, people smoking cigarettes in jazz clubs at 3.30 in the morning in Paris. I know it sounds strange, but we haven't had that before. This is a real world. It's going to be, at least from my perception so far, the most real world of all the Batman movies by a wide margin. So we're going to believe the same way we might have believed a man can fly. This Batman movie is set in the real world of quote unquote real world, like a Fincher's Zodiac and seven, which they keep bringing up. Mm. There's no fantastical element of this. This is going to, I mean, Batman has an element of fantasy, but what I mean is this is going to feel like this movie. If you took Batman out of it, it could have been a crime thriller that Michael Mann would have made. Mm. I, and that's what I mean. And, and that's why I am deliriously excited to see this Batman. Cause my big question was, how do you make it different? How do you differentiate it from all these other visions of Batman we've been getting since 89? And the way you differentiate it is you make it the most realistic, down-to-earth Batman that we've ever seen, where Batman, more than ever, we believe that he could exist in the world we live in. You know, it's you bring up a really interesting point about that because we've talked a lot about Joker over the years, right? Because every time you're going to try to do a new iteration of Joker, you face a large challenge. Besides the fact that he's an incredibly multi-dimensional character number one you have to make him essentially joker but number two you have to make him completely unique from everybody else who's played joker and i would contend that so far the storytellers and filmmakers have done a pretty good job with that heath's joker was very different from jack's joker jack's joker was very different from leto's joker and and so on and leto's joker completely different from joaquin's joker you know they've done a very good job of that but the same is true as batman as well you're striving to make him at his core, the representation of Batman. But also at the same time, you're trying to make him a little bit unique from the other Batmans we've already seen. And I think you're absolutely right. Like just the pure visceral nature of what we've seen in this Batman, I think makes him stand out a little different from what I believe is the best representation we've ever had of Batman on the big screen, which is Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck's Batman from, you know, the most successful and well-received Batman ever, which is probably Christian Bale's Batman. I mean, They've done a good job of creating this is his own Batman, and I think that's pretty key. Well, we already know things like the Batcave is actually an abandoned train station or something. And that's that, what we got in the books, yeah. And, and that he builds he builds his own car. I mean, if you look at the the even people are like, well, the the Batmobile doesn't look as cool as because it's a real car. You know, even in the Christian Bale movies, the future tech that Wayne Industries or the Applied Sciences Division made, there's a little bit of sci-fi in that. You know, with the memory foam or the memory cloth and all that stuff that Batman does, there's an element of comic book fantasy, even in the Bale movies. This, I bet, dispenses with all of that as much as it can. It's going to be stripped down and completely more realistic than anything we've seen. There's from a lot the of Batman punching people in the face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and you look at that fight scene with Catwoman. That was a real so good. That was real fight. That was not fantasy fighting. That was real fighting. And Batman anticipated her moves yeah. it's not you know it's not fighting Ducard on the ice you know and it's talking about the league of shadows there's no league of shadows in this batman movie 
This Batman movie has some psycho serial killer running around like John Doe and Seven. Which, by the way, that new clip they put out today, they they put out a clip today of that's that's an extension of the clip that we've already seen. We've already seen that clip of Riddler sitting in the coffee shop and the police come in and surround him, right? But we never saw his face. They released a clip today from Good Morning America where they keep the scene going where he turns around and you see his face. And I'll tell you what, he looked so normal, it was terrifying. He looked like such just a guy who lives up the street from you that it terrified me. It was absolutely crazy. Anyway, mm -hmm. Chris, I know your excitement level has been fairly big for the yeah. Batman. What do you think about the words we're hearing out, the reactions that we're seeing coming out? What does it do for your expectations? And what are you looking for as we head in to see the Batman in five days? I'm I'm really trying to make sure I don't get too excited. <laughs> I really am. I'm just like, don't set your expectations too high. Don't get burned. It's going to be okay. But this is really promising. This is really, really great that people are liking this film so much. I still need to get my hands, too, on the uh, prequel comic that is the companion to this. I really, really need to check that out. That also made me really excited about this film, that we're getting a comic book that ties into it directly. And I think you're right, John. It's really interesting to see a new iteration of the bat, right? And how they're taking it. And this really, really gritty, gritty world that they're building, the brutality that we've seen too, Rob, like that you were talking about, that's really, really interesting and fun to me. Because really at the that core- That brutality's fun? What, yeah. For, for a movie. You're fine. For a movie it is. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Because at the core of Batman, right, he is the pinnacle of human conditioning. Yeah. He has driven his own body to the extent of what a human being can do. That's what it's always come down to the comics. That's why he still could hold his own against some of these super-powered individuals because he has this tactical mind. He's trained. He's done all this stuff. He's the world's greatest detective. And it's really, really exciting to see something where we're really focused on that gritty, in-your-face nature that a lot of the darker storylines have. I love the Tim Burton stuff a lot, but I'm really pumped to see a very, very just nasty Gotham. You know, somebody asked me a question a while ago, and I thought it was really interesting. I kind of shoved it away for a bit. But in a world where sometimes a good thing can have negative consequences, let me ask you this. And I don't have an answer. This isn't a rhetorical question. Could there be a slight danger here? of this movie being so good that it makes, which is sits outside of the DCEU, that it maybe makes the movie going public look at the ongoing DCEU movies as meh. Like is, is there a potential, is there a risk here that this movie could shine so bright that it kind of overshadows the other stuff they're trying to do with their DC properties? I mean, there's the potential, but you also have very different tones for things. Yeah. And yeah. Marvel's executed that really well, you know, where we have Guardians has a very different vibe than a lot of the other films in the Marvel franchise, right? And I think the DCEU can do the same thing. Aquaman is more of their kind of like funky fun situation. We have Shazam, which is much more family friendly and more about family dynamics. And then this can be our dark pivot, you know? And when they come together, that's my, might be where things get a little hinky. <clears throat> But as individual entities, I think they can work. I think I think you're right about that. Like that's my first thought is that, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at what Matt Reeves is doing in the Batman, and then you look over what that Lynn is doing over in um, uh, in Aquaman, it it's clearly two completely different kinds of movies. And I I don't know if it would make the audiences look badly, but I don't know, Rob. What do you think? Could could the the success of the Batman be a bad thing for the rest of the DCU? You know, I can. I don't think so. 
Simple answer. I don't think so because yeah, look, we 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 know like for instance, it's the difference between watching 2001: A Space Odyssey and watching Star Wars. You know, we know that these are both space-bound films, and but one is dealing with the profound beginnings of humanity, and the other is a space fantasy. You know, with space wizards and laser swords and spaceships and giant talking slugs. You know, everyone knows when they're watching. Audiences are sophisticated enough to understand, okay, this is what I'm in for. Just like, you know, you can watch an animated film, like take your pick of your uh, Princess Mononoke. You can watch Princess Mononoke and then you can go watch Finding Nemo. They're both animated movies, but you can tell because of the tone and the way it's set up, you can enjoy those. You buy in from the beginning. When we're going to see Batman, Ben Affleck, and Michael Keaton come back on The Flash and Flashpoint, this is fantasy sci-fi. Mm, hey, yeah. whereas... This Batman movie is probably going to be described as a as a crime thriller that happens to have Batman as the main protagonist. And it's going to be presented in tonally in a way that we've never seen before. I would call this Batman in my own mind right now, using my own analogy, this is going to be the 2001 of Batman uh, movies. Yeah, and, Fast and Furious 5 was the Citizen Kane of the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, this is 2000, <laughs> this 2001. This is 2001 of Batman movies, and people are going to laugh, but if you go and you, and if, if the Tim Burton Batman movies were, say, call it uh, the Planet of the Apes, you know, talking apes and Charles Heston. Good analogy, since Matt Reeves did direct Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and it's it's. I think that though, because even within science fiction movies, there's wildly different tones. You know, 2001 is more along the lines of something like Close Encounters. You know, right. By the way, I want to point out in asking the question that I don't I don't think it will, but in asking the question, hey, you know, do you think maybe the, the big success, if if it's that good, it could negatively affect the other things. Uh, one of our viewers in the live chat there, Reggie Phoenix, had a great response. He said this. He says, well, we jumped from Shazam to the Joker. I mean, and, and that's, that's true. true. And we were able to, we as the audience were able to watch Shazam. I love Shazam. It's one of my favorite DC movies ever. I thought it was fantastic. And then we went right into the Joker, which won Academy Awards. And you're right. There was no problem with the success of either of them. Oh, you know point. what? I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, someone pointed out, like, if they do ex- go with another movie this character the ventriloquist as a villain in the next one that would be creepy as hell wouldn't it I, yeah. it, would. it would be it's a very creepy villain i like someone in here also recommended hush which i'd love to see a film version of hush done yeah well. i think i think we're definitely we i think we already see some influences of hush yeah. in the trailers that we've seen you know john i didn't even when i was talking about planet of the apes i was thinking about the original planet of the apes but if you think about what matt reeves did in his planet of the apes movies and you compare like escape from the planet of the apes where you have the three apes come yeah. back from the future and they're out shopping in beverly hills and they become <laughs> the toast of the town i mean this is a it was planet the george Ape- clooney batman of yeah, the so, planet of the apes movies. yeah so that and then matt reeves came in and he made his dawn of the planet of the apes and and War of the Planet of the Apes. So he's already done, he did for the Planet of the Apes movies what he's now doing for Batman. I agree. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about the reaction? Now, of course, the, the first reactions are not the be-all and end-all of what a movie will be. I mean, quite often it's pretty accurate, but some we've seen cases where it's not, and that's fine. But how does it make you feel hearing these kind of reactions? Reactions like absolutely euphoric and spectacular. 
and hearing things like Robert Pattinson is going to be your new Batman. It's at least got to be encouraging. How are you guys feeling about that right now? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're now going to spend the rest of our time taking questions from you guys in the audience. Now, before we get there, though, one last word from another uh, group of people who made today's episode of the John Campus Show possible, the good folks over at Keeps. Hey, guys, we want to take a minute and thank the sponsor of today's video, the good folks at Keeps. Now, look, you guys probably already know that two out of every three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're just 35 years old. Now, that's where Keeps comes in because Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. That means the guys that use it love it. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. It's also low cost. Treatments start as low as just $10 per month, and Keeps offers generic versions for the two FDA-approved medications to prevent hair loss. That means treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices. Keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. Remember, prevention is the key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so the sooner you act, the better. When it comes to your hair, save more, spend less with Keeps. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps, that's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Campia to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Campia to get your first month free. Keeps dot com slash Campia. And thank you to the folks at Keeps for helping to make today's episode of the John Campus Show possible. All right, guys, with that down, let's get on over and start here taking from your live questions. Chris, what's going on in the live chat there? All right, we got one of two from Suthius. Thank you for this $20 super chat, man. Almost a year ago, when first Thor 4 set photos were released or leaked, we did see a large Viking-looking ship docked in Asgard with a lot of seats on it. Compound with the recent uh, Legos toys set first look, is it crazy to think that Thor and Korg perhaps now own or operate such tours using a huge <laughs> mechanical flying Viking ship? Perhaps that's why his new uniform is so colorful. I mean, listen, I wouldn't put anything by them at this point. Mm -hmm. But remember, the last we saw Thor, he was heading off world with the Guardians, the Asgardians of the galaxy. And we do know that we're going to see Chris Pratt in this movie, I believe they've also confirmed Zoe Saldana. We're probably playing small roles in this. We'll probably be in there for a bit of the movie and then they'll be gone. But I I would probably guess Suthius at no, we're not going to start with Thor operating a tour with Korg. Now, Korg? Korg, maybe. I could totally see maybe Korg, Korg doing Korg something like that. Boat. He probably he, I could see him staying behind with King Valkyrie and, yeah. and doing stuff like that. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that's feasible. And you got to remember, too, that the goat boat and these goats are canon. It's yeah. not something that Taika just pulled out of his tush. Like, these are real, real characters in there and from real Norse mythology. So it could be one of those bonkers things that Taika did is, oh, we're going to use Tooth Grinder as a tour guide goat. Or it could be something where we're seeing, you know, some real epic goat battling. Epic goat battling is always the best kind of battling. Rob, what do you think? Well, also in the comics, you know, Asgard got relocated to Oklahoma. And they had the whole siege storyline, which I love yep. with the Dark Avengers. That was dope. Yep. And the whole battle, that whole battle of, of Asgard. So they've, they've changed it a little bit. But the fact that Asgard's on Earth now, 
why wouldn't the why would people like Korg avail themselves of perhaps let's give you a little taste let's give you Who's humans a little taste of, of guardian space. culture totally you, you people from Midgard totally you that. haven't you haven't lived until you've taken a little taste of what we can show you I mean that would make sense I mean how how is Asgard they got to figure out some way to finance their their little exactly. uh making a tourist trap I mean I think that <laughs> and what that I, I like that commentary it's kind of funny mm -hmm. I mean I. That's what Taika Waititi would do. Yep. All right. What's next? Andy, since they both have films coming out this year about the multiverse, I would laugh my ass off if The Flash and Doctor Strange came across each other in a scene. Well, hey, listen, don't laugh. There's somebody in this room that believes that actually may happen. <laughs> now, 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 listen, as ridiculous as that whole thing sounds, what Rob points out is completely valid. The reality is that that, last shot we got in peacemaker with flash and uh and aquaman and a stand-in for henry cavill superman and a stand-in for wonder woman that was done on a marvel set apparently and i would bet a hundred dollars not a thousand but i would bet a hundred dollars that no we are not going to see glimpses of MCU characters in Flashpoint, nor are we going to see glimpses of the DC characters in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But even though I would bet $100 against it, I would be a fool not to say that the possibility of it exists. And it does, because Rob, you pointed out about where they shot it. Are you still feeling pretty good about that? Here's the thing. When I was a kid, <clears throat> one of the coolest comics that I got, it was the oversized version, was Superman versus Spider-Man. And that was that was awesome, you know. And then Marvel had a history of teaming up with DC and doing crossover events. I love the X Men and Teen Titans; they crossed over, you know. Uh, Dark Side and Dark Phoenix were were in the same comic, and this that was in the early '80s. Justice League versus Avengers with George Perez was done. Why not open that door? You think like Kevin Feige made it work with Spider-Man and uh, and uh, Sony? You think who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? If 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 Kevin Feige called up David Zaslav and said, "Hey, dude, what do you think?" Just I'm just saying, what if we just opened a door? Just open a door. You know, I I mean, they're both doing multiverse movies this year. You know, just a snippet, a glimpse. Not this is where. A cameo, a little tiny cameo for just a split second. People would go berserk. And this movie is called Multiverse of Madness. I'm, I'm saying not yet, Rob. Not yet. Wait till everyone's fatigued of the superhero thing. Dude, and then they'll be like, okay, let's do this. There's and then 28 Marvel movies. Okay, there's Ray just pointed out something here. Because I, I was thinking about the word that was in my head was desperation. That to me reeks of desperation. And it's the type of de desperation movie you pull out when it's like, okay, now we got nothing else to lean back on. Because again, to me, I've always said, if you're gonna do these cameos, make them narratively driven. Don't just do a, look little children audience, look at these shiny keys. And to me, that's all that would be. It would just be a, look everybody, cheat pop like a band on stage saying, hello, Ohio. Listen, it's like, it would listen. Be cheap. It's also a movie. It, it's you know, also you're, you're, a popcorn you're right. superhero film, and I will go back and say there is 40 years, more than 40 years now, because you're back in the 70s, there is 40 years of Marvel 
crossing over with DC. 40 years of tradition. And, and it is not cheap because you have that tradition. And Kevin Feige, I guarantee you, he had that Superman versus Spider-Man and that art was awesome. And the cover, call it up, look at that cover. Spider-Man versus Superman, the golden thing, it is awesome. And if you if you teased a little bit of that, but they did a full story of that. It was that was a full story. It was, a, it was and they yeah. but they. The, I love the X Men crossover when the X Men met Teen Titans and they're fighting Dark Side and Dark Phoenix. It was rad. We'll get it. And and I'm I'm just saying this isn't an act of desperation. This is opening a door that's going to be frothy fun for and speculation for the next frothy five fun? or ten years. I, I think it would be absolutely sad and desperate. But everything you said is correct. And I, I, like I said, I think I'd be a fool the to say it is, wouldn't be possible because it's is, possible. Let me ask you this. If you are sitting in a theater, do you think that people, if they saw a crossover moment, it is the multiverse of madness after all, and we're probably going to see Doctor Strange being like we saw in the comic or in the What If show flung through universes. Boom, 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 boom. America Shav is going. You don't think it wouldn't be cool? If in one of those universes that you actually saw the Justice League? No, I, I don't think it would be cool. <laughs> Come on, I dude. I think it would be sad and desperate. As a lifetime comic book reader, I would lose my but shit. while I'm saying that I don't think it would be cool and that would be sad and desperate, let me also say, do I believe that there would be an incredible pop from the audience if they did? Of course there would be. And I, I, I will also say this to go against my own point. One of the best moments of X-Men First Class really didn't tie into the narrative either. It's when younger Charles and younger Eric end up in a bar to find this mutant with, with claws. Say, we'd like to come talk to you. Go fuck yourself. It's one of the best moments in the film. And it really was narrative, I, I, I'm narrative driven. Head, it was not really narrative driven, and therefore that's going against my own argument. No, so I gotta say No, but it was narrative driven well, because it, they it were tied looking for, in. It did yeah. tie in. What if what if Doctor Strange is being flung through multiple realities and at the same time you see for some reason Flash running? Yeah, desperate. And, and the two of them just go and Sad and desperate. And then what if? And what if in the Flash movie they play the same place from Flash? It's right. Somebody already did this on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, again, but listen, I'm sitting here saying I think it would be sad and desperate. But I think there are some solid arguments against that because, like I said, that Wolverine thing it worked for me. So, hey, what am I saying? And would it get a huge pop? It would get a huge. pop. I think it'd be awesome. It'll I happen just, one day. At someday. Yeah, Someday. All right, we got to keep going here. What's next? This is from Anish. I apologize for having a difficult name, but my name oh, is actually... Oh, uh, is there one from oh, Blake? Oh, Blake, yes, sorry. Um, oh, and Ravon. Golly. Hold on, sorry, mine is all <laughs> out of order. Ah! Okay, Ravon first. Uh, one of two. Rob, your Star Trek rant was heartfelt and showed how much you truly care about the franchise. Your passion about the things you love shines through and reminds me of the big guy in the best way. Thank you so much. Uh, in the best way possible. Also, I'm actually John, getting awful clumped. Aww. <laughs> also, John, if I don't get a chance to chat in before Saturday, I want to wish you a happy birthday, good sir. Yeah. I hope the Batman ends up being a wonderful belated present to you. Oh, I hope so too. And, and yeah, look, um, it's, you know, I often tell people like when I get really worked up over something regarding star Wars, or I get really worked up over something regarding Disney or Warner brothers. I remind people, it's like, if this was something I didn't care about, then I really, I wouldn't care. I mean, it'd be, blah, blah, blah. but be, because it is something like, 
when Warner Brothers does something really dumb, I you gotta understand, I love Warner Brothers. <laughs> right. They're the magnificent studio. I love Warner Brothers and I love the vast majority of the stuff that they make. And so when they do something very stupid, I get very passionate about it. I've loved the Toronto Maple Leafs with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength my entire life. So when they do something really dumb, which is all the time, I get very upset about it and I get I get verklempt about it. So uh, I think it, it speaks to that. Yeah, when you love something. Now, I disagree with you on your take on Star Wars, but I know that your position on Star Wars and your 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 fire on Star, Star Wars. Star Wars or Star Trek. So, sorry, Star Trek. Let me thank you. I'm right, by the way. It, <laughs> but it comes from a place of the fact that you love the property. Yes. That you're a little out of touch, but you love it. Just even if you're right and I'm wrong, or maybe you're out of touch. The creators of modern Star Trek are out of touch. Oh, see, I disagree. <laughs> but it comes from a place of passion. And I think that's why, like, because I get asked sometimes, they I, I get emails saying, you know, you and Rob get, get like really disagree on some big things. And I'll I'll say, well, yeah, this like like how does that work? Well, it works because he like when we have stuff that we really disagree on, we both know that each of us are coming from a place of our love of what it is we're talking right. about. Plus, I mean, and so we can have a disagreement on that, and that's fine, and that's great. We enjoy the conversation. Look, I think our greatest disagreement that we have is about art itself, the subjectivity and the I believe in the objectivity of art, and I think that that is a conversation that should always continue. You know, I don't think there's necessarily an answer to that because it's okay if we just agreed with everything. This show wouldn't be fun. No. It would be super boring if everyone had the same taste. Yeah, what's what's what is the point of even talking about something mm -hmm. if everybody just thinks the same thing? Yeah. There's no point in having the discussion. All right, anyway, thank you for saying that in, man. I appreciate that. What's next? Oh, and thank you for correcting your pronunciation, Revan. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, Blake62, I rewatched uh, MI Ghost Protocol last night, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol last night. That has to be one of the coolest movies ever. I forgot how good that one was. Like seriously, especially after coming out of the first two Mission Impossible movies, which I didn't love. I didn't love the first no, two. No, I didn't either. I didn't really start getting on board with it until Mission Impossible 3. What Tom Cruise has done with this franchise is remarkable. It's insane, really. And I'm not just talking about the crazy stunts he does. Like he's made some great, entertaining, fun movie so we always look forward to the next one coming and yes he has also created a side thing of what crazy ass shit is tom cruise gonna do this time but this franchise is almost 30 years old yeah and yeah. it's still rolling he'll be wrapping up soon yeah he'll but, be wrapping up i mean but still it's uh, if they wrap up with mi8 yeah amazing right. what's next anish i apologize for having a difficult name but my name is actually pronounced anish like the Italian word capiche. Ah, Thank you so much when you give me niche. pronunciation, you guys, because I'm going phonetic, right? Public school, you got to help me out. Anyway, fun Batman fact, Jeff Loeb, who wrote The Long Halloween, was Matt Reeves' screenwriting teacher in college. Is that I love true? That. If wow. that's true, that's amazing. That is a really cool fact, if that is indeed true. I, I think that's a really cool. Thanks for dropping that yeah. one on us, Anish. That's actually a really cool thing to know. That's All rad. right, what's next? Andy, we now know from the South by Southwest convention that Jensen Eccles' mysterious DC project involves Greg Berlanti. Yep, lost all interest when Berlanti came up. Well, I mean, look, to be fair, to be fair, Berlanti has also done some great stuff over there. Like the first few seasons of Arrow, I think are, I'll defend them forever. Oh, they're great. The first two and a half seasons until Captain Buckles came along. <laughs> The first two and a half seasons of Arrow, I think, are magnificent television. I love the first five seasons of Flash. 
I think are great. And even a couple of the, the, the ones, see, I, I, I've, I've, I've fallen off Flash. I don't really watch Flash anymore. But uh, right up till the season that Aaron was in, I, I thought it was really quite good. Yep. I really like Black Lightning. Now I did too. Yeah. Now he's also had some swings and misses, but I would not discount. I think you're that's being premature to discount anything just because Berlant is involved because he's done some pretty good stuff there. All right. What's next? A Marcellus just realized that with Keaton's return, it's also the return of the black and yellow emblem. Heck yeah, it is. It's been so many years since it's th I've seen it in live action. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I remember right from the first concept picture that came out from Flash. That yellow and black emblem, that is the calling card of the Michael Keaton Batman. That's it. When you see that yellow in that Batman emblem, that means Michael Keaton. And it elicits, it elicits that instant memories of those original Michael Keaton Batman movies. Rob, what about you? How do you feel about I that? I totally agree with that. I mean, that was, remember those posters were just that emblem. Yes. You know, they you, you cut off the sides. I love that. I stole a bunch of those bus station size posters. All right, what's next? This is from The Boy. Thor's Lego set calls Valkyrie King. Why not queen? Why not king? Smash the patriarchy. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Why, I mean, that, that's the thing. It, when we ask the question, why not this? Then turn the question around and say, yeah. well, why not what it is? It's it's a arbitrary and word remember, about being a leader. This is an alien planet civilization that is now here. So why anything? It, it, well, I'm sure we're going to find out, but I kind of think that just the, uh, the distinction is great. At I love that movie, she calls herself king. He says they need a king. Yep, they need a king. And who knows, maybe, maybe in Thor, maybe in Asgardian, there's no concept of queen. Yeah. Maybe it's whoever is the supreme leader, ruler on the throne, you call them king, regardless. Of, I mean, it could be a million different reasons why, but ultimately the only question I ask is, why not king? Yeah. So it is what it is. All right, what's next? This is from Max Pompano. Hey, John and crew. I work in a group home for kids with trauma, abuse, and neglectful backgrounds. Cheers to you, my friend. Some, Cheers to you. Yeah, some days are really hard, but your show is always a bright spot. Thank you and keep up the great work. Thank you for your great work. Yeah, thank you for doing what you're wow. doing. You do. I actually worked with teenagers for a while, and that is difficult, difficult, difficult work. Yeah. And Max, if, if our show on any level and in the community here with everybody else in the live chat can, can be something that lifts you up and gives you energy to go into your day that's an awesome honor for us dude so thank you for the work that you do in the world it's incredibly important and thanks for being part of our community man all right what's next city of swift just wanted to send out words of encouragement to everyone right now may we get through these uncertain times to a better tomorrow yeah i mean i i remember somebody whenever there's a big thing going on in the world i will always get somebody that writes to me well says a lot about you you're going on and just talking about movies today there's more important things going on in the world of course there are there are more important things going on in the world every day i don't have delusions of think movies are the most single important issue going on on the planet earth right now on any day of the week or any day of the year of course not but if you want discussions about those things there are plentiful places to go to have that this is meant to be an oasis from that, as are movies in and of themselves. And so, and by the way, speaking about the bigger, more important issues in the world are things way beyond my pay grade. Nobody gives a shit, nor should anybody give a shit about what I think is going on on the important issues in the world. Um, like modern Star Trek. <laughs> but, you know, we are here as the movies are here, that we're an oasis from that. So if you want to get away from that for a bit, 
recharge your batteries, and then go back out and, and engage in those conversations in other places. That's what we're here for. So, uh, but yes, so thank you for that. And and because that is what we're here trying to do, Sidious. And I appreciate you saying that very much. You know what else, John? We also have to live lives. We can't stop our lives. Our lives are, are compartmentalized. There's many different facets to our lives. And it would be a shame that if we stopped living until things just settle down and they're like the way we want them to be. You have to move on. You have to move forward. You have to enjoy the time because the time we have here is so short. All right. What's next? All right. From Anish again. No love for the great Kate Blanchett and the actress goat conversation? Um, listen, she is wonderful. She is one of the best of our generation. And she is still young. I think she can get in that conversation over the next five to ten years for sure. I don't think she is. She can be considered goat right now, though. Um, a couple of people are pointing out that the audio is breaking up. I don't know if that's an issue that you can hear or not, but uh, more than I, a few I'm people. seeing other people saying that the audio is fine. Oh, okay. Uh, at okay. any rate, nothing we can do about it. Sorry about that. Now. All right, what's next? Uh, from John Redcorn, I know you hate the nowhere home mid-credit scene, but what are the chances it plays into Venom Three? Eddie Venom now has knowledge of the multiverse. Again, it's it was just a, such a big letdown because that that end credit scene of Venom Two was so big, and it gave such a pop, and created such anticipation. That we then go into Spider-Man No Way Home and find out that whole thing was just for sitting at the bar for 30 seconds and then leaving. Oh, and oops, a little piece of them got left behind. Which, by the way, is the dumbest thing in the world. It's like, oops, magic forgot to take that piece. Stupidest thing ever. Well, it also, it also, it, it's like if if that's not our universe, where's the venom from our universe? You know, the, the Sony Venom-verse is different than the MCU. So why can't we have the MCU version of Venom show up? Well, and maybe that's what's happening. We got this tiny little baby symbiote now. I and now it's going to so. go find Eddie Brock. But it's not so it's from our go universe. Find Flash it's from Thompson. another universe. That's true. Ah, uh, we'll that's see. Fair. All right, what's next? Harv's K. If Oscars stick with this new format, perhaps they can finally add more categories, like best stunt, cast, uh, best stunt casting, mocap, and voice acting down the road. Yes! Okay, so all of those. There's here's a there's a couple things. <clears throat> One, I don't believe, and, and this is gonna be taken the wrong way, but I do not believe, and everybody disagrees with me on this. There should not be a best stunt category. Um, and I've said that for years. And the reason I believe there there cannot be a best stunt category is because to really be able to know if the stunts were any good, part of the magic of the movies is making. The ridiculously impossible seems super easy. And that's part of what stunt people do to create that magic of the movies. But if you're an Oscar voter, you won't know any of that unless you were on set. It's just not something you can know. And that's why I think we should get, there are, by the way, awards given out every year for stunts mm -hmm. by people who know stunts that are involved in it. And that should get way more attention. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that you can make it a category with a body of voters who can't possibly know. Anyway, now, stuff like casting, that we see. You can see with your eyes if the casting was effective for a movie. For stuff like voice acting, you can hear. Because it used to be that's only applies to animated movies. Today, that's not the case. Now there's voice casting because there's a lot of CG characters in a lot of different movies. So, so that perhaps now becomes a category big enough. And if the, the Academy Awards finds an effective way 
to give out and present a lot of the awards prior to the live broadcast, but then incorporate them into the broadcast in an effective, meaningful way, then I think it does open the door that the Academy can finally start adding a couple more things, especially casting. Yeah, Casting, I absolutely think, needs to be an award that gets recognized because it is such a pivotal thing that makes or breaks a movie, I think. You know, you could also make an award and call it Best Virtual Character and honor the interdisciplinary nature of that. Because uh, with, like, Thanos, you have Josh Brolin and you have the animators working mm -hmm. in tandem to create that character. And that was, I mean, I've watched those movies a lot. That, Thanos is the greatest CG character Motion, motion capture I still think it might ever. be Caesar. I still think it might be Andy Serkis' uh, yeah, Caesar. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you something. That's, it's, Caesar's great. And Thanos is amazing. But I think it would, it's harder to make people believe in Thanos than it is, because you're recreating something that's real yeah. in an ape. Mm -hmm. Whereas well, Thanos. sort of real. Well, yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah, but I mean, he looks, he's, he looks like a real uh, 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 ape from our planet. Whereas Thanos is an alien, you know, with purple st this <laughs> skin, purple skin. That, that, like when you get close up on that guy's on Thanos's face, you believe that this character is there, and and it's you could make an argument that that, that that's actually reversed because we have no point of reference for whatever race Thanos is, Titan, but we all know apes, and to make us believe something when it's there. I, either way, they're both fantastic. But here's the problem I've always had about that idea, though, is that. There has never been enough virtual characters to justify an entire category. Because, you know, when you're nominated for Best Actor, you're going up against literally probably two or 3,000 actors oh, yeah. that year. Oh, yeah. The nominating so package. There's a sure. huge thing. But, but with virtual characters, it's too small of a number. But it's growing. And right. it might become something that they exactly. have to consider at some point. Well, and also, too, y'all, until our own union recognizes that we are acting and doing great work, the Academy's not going to do it. Because as a SAG voter, as a SAG nominee, I wasn't voting for other voice actors. That's not even a category. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. They got to get into SAGs in first. If I have to be a union member to do my work, and I like my union, it really, really helps me out. But I think I should be able to vote for people who are excelling in that. They're winning Emmys. Let them win a SAG award. I, I agree. I think the SAG needs to be the first ones to put it in there. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. All right. What's next? James Wheeler. Good morning, everyone. I'm so excited. I'll be seeing The Godfather at the movie theater this weekend. Nice. I've seen it many times, but this will be my first time seeing it in theaters. James, you and I are in the same boat. This is going to be my first time seeing The Godfather, what some people consider to be the greatest film of all time. I, I've never seen it on a big screen. This will be my first time, and I'm very, very excited for it. You got uh, plans to go check it out? Oh the yes, I do. I can't. And it's at the AMC. You know, it's at the in the Dolby Cinema. Yep, best it's way to possibly watch it. It's gonna look incredible. I cannot wait. I hope you have a really good time watching it, James. And may we all have an offer we can't refuse to go and see The Godfather this week. All right, what's next? Orlando Orego. Hey, John and crew. Thanks for this show, especially with news happening in the world. Let's talk movies and entertainment and get through the day. Bring on the filthy. Oh, uh, thank you, Orlando. And yeah, then, you know, our show will be done. You go back to all the regular stuff, but that's what we're here to do. And I appreciate that, man. And we're glad you're here to be a part of it, Orlando. All right, what's next? Andy, with the crazy influx of sponsors you're getting, would you still accept a sponsorship from Zevia if those cheap sons of itches approach you? I'll tell you what. I'm just give you a little bit of inside baseball here, okay, guys? I'm going to give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain about some of the stuff going on here. So you guys know for like 15 years, I tried to get sponsors on the on the stuff we do. I had AMC promise me, oh, we'll get sponsors, we'll get sponsors. They never did. 
I had Complex and Collider swearing up and down. We'll get sponsors. We'll get sponsors. Never did. Not real ones. And then I came across this, this guy reached out to me. I said, no, I, I am a sponsor rep. I can get sponsors in the John Campy show. G give me a ring and let's talk. And I thought, sure, sure. But this same guy worked with Harloff, my buddy Harloff. So I gave Christian a call. I said, this guy legit? Christian's like, this guy's legit. And I started working with him. And we right now, I think we have 15 sponsors right now. We have, we have sponsors lining up thanks to the fact that we have an active, loyal, awesome, engaging community. The sponsors are seeing what's happening here. And we are, I am literally turning sponsors down. Like, it's not even ones that I don't want to be associated. It's like some, there's some good sponsors coming along. Like I said, I can't, we just don't have room. Mm -hmm. Like we, like even, even movie club. I'm going to tell you this right now on movie. We, we start a separate show movie club. We're only three episodes in. I've already been notified by the agencies. We've got four sponsors that want to be sponsors of movie club. And it's all because that we have a community that is active and engages and is fun and creates a wonderful environment. And the sponsors see it and they're like, we want to be associated with that. And it's been amazing. But yes, if Zevia came along, we would find a way to fit in Zevia. I mean, I got to tell you, John, the, all of our sponsors are tremendous. And actually, I, I've been actually availing myself of the Campia codes to get some. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I'm not supposed to. I'm using codes to get our own sponsors because they've got great stuff. Manscaped? That, shh. <laughs> Zevia. Until we get them as a sponsor, we are we're slackers. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about Zevia no more. What's in my cup? I don't know. Could what be anything. It? Could be alcohol. I don't drink, no. but it could be hard alcohol <laughs> that I'm drinking in this cup right now. Zevia's got to make some kind of hard Zevia though. That'd be kind of cool. Didn't you? Did you just who just came up with a, a Mountain Dew? Did you see that? Mountain Dew just came out with hard Mountain Dew. Oh, that's 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 got that's uh, that's spiked. It's it got alcohol teeth in it. Hurt. Yeah, dude, Zevia mixed with Jameson is really good. I, I might have to give it a shot at some point. All right, what's next? Another one from Andy. One of two. Hi, John. Thanks for everything you do. Between your show right now and Batman reactions, they've been a relieving ray of light for me in the past 24 hours considering what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for being part, being here and being yeah. part of that, Andy. And it is a break for us just doing the show as well. Thanks, man. All right, what's next? Casey Mack was wondering your thoughts on the trailer to The Man Who Fell to Earth Showtime series starring Shuya Tell Ejiofor. I have think it looks not, very interesting. Have not seen it yet. Have not watched it yet. But you guys know, Shuya Tell Ejiofor, I believe, is one of the, if not the, him and Ben Foster are the most underrated, underappreciated, massive talents in the world of acting today. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, I've been in love with this guy ever since he was the operative in Serenity, and he has done nothing but kill it ever since. So I have not seen this yet, but I'm going to. Have any of you guys seen the, the trailer for this yet? Yes. Yeah. Oh. And? Oh, yes. Okay, so The Man Who Fell to Earth is based on a novel by yes. Walter Tevis, who also wrote The Queen's Gambit, mm -hmm. and who wrote The Hustler and the Color of Money. Uh, he's a great author. And Nicholas Rogue made the first version of The Man Who Fell to Earth in the 70s, starring Buck Henry and David Bowie and Candy Clark. And it's one of my favorite science fiction films of the 70s. This is different than that. This is they've taken the book and they've decided to update it, change it, make it more modern. 
and it's done by Alex Kurtzman, responsible for modern uh, Star who, Trek. Who I I quite like Alex. Kurtzman. So full full disclosure, I I'm primed to dislike this and everything I've seen about it, but Chiwetel Ejiofor is great, and uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that I will like this show. All right, what's next? Sadie Swift, on a lighter note, have two of my three AMC reservations set for the Batman next week. <laughs> Maybe I'll see y'all at Burbank between one of my three viewings. Well, we are going to be there at least for two of them because mm -hmm. we're going to be there on the first and then we're going to be there opening day, the fourth, for our John Campia Show fan event screening of the Batman. Uh, by the end of today, everybody who's getting an invite to come should be getting their invites to come and join us for that. But that's going to be a lot of fun, and maybe we will bump into you there, Sidious. I, I look forward to it. It is my favorite theater. It's my. It's, it's, I kind of still, even though I don't live in Burbank anymore, I still consider AMC Burbank 16, where we opened an AMC Movie News office in the converted storage closet, mm -hmm. where I went there for like, Anne and I lived there in Burbank for seven years, and that was my theater. I would like it was in walking distance for me. Cannot wait to go watch Batman. And, and you cannot overemphasize the fact that there's a giant jim lee designed batman statue yeah. outside the theater Ugh. so there's not a better place on the planet earth to go see the batman it's i'm true. very excited about it all right what's next orlando rego i am so happy the batman is getting great reviews yeah i hope i enjoy it i was there uh was there a movie that you liked but critics hated or vice versa oh many, many like sure that happens all the time like uh -huh. remember it's not just the, the critics are just people right the critics are people there are many movies that I like that many other people didn't like. There are many movies that I did like that other people didn't like. It, it, it's true of everybody. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, they're like, for me, I love the first Venom. I love that movie. I That movie gives me great joy when I watch it. It's great. And generally speaking, the Chris, and now 80, 90% of the time, as I think is probably true for most of us, my opinions kind of fall in line with what the other critics do as well. But like anybody else, sometimes it doesn't. So, But Venom, for me, is the one that really stands out most recently that I absolutely love, even though a lot of the critics didn't. Do you guys have any ones that stand out to you that you really, really like that maybe a majority of the critics didn't? Ridley Scott's The Counselor, especially the extended version. You like that movie? Love it. Oh, I keep forgetting that you like I mean, I me and Schnepp used counselor. to talk so much about how bad that movie was. I love The Counselor. <laughs> That's good for you, man. What about you, Chris? You got one that... My most recent one is is Don't Look Up. My, my friend Mia Tapali and right? I, she's another actress. We went and saw the screening of it for, for the SAG Awards and everything. And we walked out like, this movie's so great. We loved this so much. And then when it started getting panned, she would text me and be like, why is everyone wrong? <laughs> That's how we always feel, right? Yeah. That's how we always feel. All right, what's next? Daniel Lyons. Hello, John and crew. Just wanted to- Oh, wait, time oh. out. I just want to point something out. Whoa. Daniel Lyons like sent in a $100, $100 super chat. Daniel, Damn. thank you so much for supporting our channel and what we do here on that level, man. That is incredibly generous of you. Thank you, dude. All right. So, oh, sorry. What does Daniel have to say? Uh, just wanted to say, started watching your show four months ago and got hooked. I only knew about the show because of the leaked photos of Spider-Man and was like, who the heck is John Campia? Also, just want to say, love you all and keep being amazing. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Here's the funny thing about that, though. Um, I didn't get any of the traffic from those because I put up those pictures and then took them down like within five minutes. <clears throat> the people who got traffic from them were the ones who took the pictures before I deleted them and plastered it on their stuff and left them up. That's those are the people who benefited from him. But 
I'll take it, Daniel. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm being so confused because I was like, what are y'all talking about? Because I kept getting messages of being like, did you see what John did? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I know. I mean, that, that's the funny thing of it, right? It's like I, I had put up those pictures thinking they were not real, yeah. which is what informed me about how we handled the Doctor Strange thing the other yeah. day because I thought well enough. It's like, you know what? I better get a hold of some people to find out if this is real or not before we run a story on it. It's, it's a good thing that I did. But it's funny because, like I said, I had it up on my Twitter for like five minutes. And Twitter analytics tells me less than 500 people saw it. Less than 500 people saw my post before I took it down. So everybody around the world who saw that post saw it because other people intentionally took them and redistributed them. It, like it, it wasn't me, but I did learn my lesson. That's why I was, I was smart enough to get a hold of some contacts of mine yesterday to say, Hey, we got this stuff on Dr. Strange. I just think it's interesting to talk about. I, I don't know that this is real. And then they got back to me. Yeah, you probably shouldn't talk about that. And it's like, Oh, okay. So I did learn a very, very valuable lesson from that whole escapade. You know, John, and clearly that escapade just severely damaged the release of Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yeah, it heard it, heard it terribly. I mean, it just it didn't perform the way the, it was supposed the funny to. Thing about that whole thing was this is was with were those specific images. Did they end up online because I'm the one who put them up? Absolutely. Like, I, but I had no reason to believe they were real. But the other thing is this. But all they were were pictures of things that had been reported in outlets for over a year. And, and by the way, I put those pictures up months after video footage of Andrew Garfield in the movie was out and online. But, you know, whatever. I, I learned a valuable lesson. I now, whenever there's something comes in that, that really actually could be authentic, now I know to get in, in touch with my studio contacts first and find out if it's legit or not. Uh, so I learned a good lesson there, and we moved on. All right. But, hey, whatever brought you here, Daniel, Daniel, is a good thing. So we're glad you're here regardless. All right. What's next? This is from William Bangs. To cut to the length of the Oscar broadcast, air only those awards related to feature films in wide release, posting the rest on the Academy's website. I mean, that is something that's kind of been proposed before. There, that, that kind of a proposal has been brought forth before. I, I don't side with that one personally, but... Listen, I'll tell you, I am very much for this idea of finding a way to celebrate the winners and still cut down on the length of the ceremony at the same time. So, again, like we had this big debate about this yesterday, about the, you know, the, the, the good or bad idea-ness of this whole thing. And I think it's actually a pretty creative way to try to... Uh, to have your cake and eat it too. And look, when the Oscars happen, it we may feel like, my God, that just felt messy. That just felt like a total mess. And if it is, they need to make corrections moving forward. But I actually think it's, it's a good way to still celebrate the winners, let the winners get a moment of glory on national television, and yet shorten it down and spend more time focusing on the categories that the audience at home cares about. If they can do it, excellent. But it may turn out to be a mess that that really just ends up demoting categories and anything else. And if it is, they need to change it. But I, I, I encourage them to try, try. But I don't know. It could be terrible. Rob. A lot of people have come out against it. Like the Editors Guild came out shooting. Oh, yeah, well, of course they did. Of course they did. Well, they're, uh, that they're, it's their job to come out shooting. But I like I stand by my initial statement when we read this story yesterday. 
it's about damn time. I, I think this is a good move. And I may change my mind after we see the Oscars. Uh, so who knows? We'll, let's, we'll give it a shot and we'll see how it works. All right, what's next? Fatim Mahmood. Over under 50% in Multiverse of Madness, Thor will kill Ant-Man. And because of that, Venom and Mantis will go after him. I think it's 100%, but I want to hear your opinion. I have no idea where you're getting any of that from. Why would Scott? What? <laughs> Why would Thor Why kill Ant-Man? Why would What? What? What does Ant-Man have to do with Multiverse of Madness? Anyway, I have no idea. Maybe this is connected to some issue of something that I'm not I'm not thinking of right now, but I so so I will go absolutely well under half uh, 50% fat time. All right, what's next? Lucy BX. Hi, crew. Lucky. Oh, Lucky. Sorry. Thank you very much. Lucky BX. Hi, crew. I watched the premiere of Snowfall last night, and I have to say, I can see Damson Idris. Damson Idris? Okay. As a T'Challa recaster variant. He's a great talent. I'm not familiar with this actor. I have not watched Snowfall. I've got a, and I don't actually have many people I know who watch it. One particular friend that I do know swears by it, though. Mm -hmm. And it's gotten multiple seasons, so. I know nothing about this. About Snowfall? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they've they actually pumped it a, a good amount, too. But it's a show I never did watch. It has completely but, eluded me. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, too. But if, from what I have heard, it's actually supposed to be really, really quite good. All right, what's next? Casey Mack, one of two. I feel if streaming services had audio commentaries in their special features, that could be an end to me buying physical media because sometimes I buy DVD and Blu-rays just for that feature. Oh, listen, I'll tell you what. Like, yeah. I would have like I've already transitioned off of physical media a long time ago, but I would have transitioned off years before that if it wasn't for the fact of the bonus features, particularly director's commentary. And yet you have a beautiful 4K disc player inside that PlayStation. <laughs> I, I do that. I just watched Cyrano on uh, as a matter of fact. So I got to give my review of Cyrano here pretty soon. But at any rate, yes, it's uh uh, it is. Uh, that's definitely. I think I'm gonna start Casey. buying you discs every week and leaving them all <laughs> around your house, just to like. I'm, I'm. I'll put them under your pillow. Put them in your bathroom. Aww, like Feel, a but, like a Blu-ray tooth fairy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, that's right. 4K tooth <laughs> okay. fairy. But you know what'll happen? I'll see it. I'll go. Man, that movie. I should stream that. And I, then I probably hop on and just stream it. instead of you know taking the disc out, walking it over. Put it in the place. It's just well, then the that's what I'll do. I'll just start sticking discs in your PlayStation. So when you turn it on, they'll just start playing. Yeah. Just automatically. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher. Were the pictures you mentioned on 223 the same pictures you nearly posted before No Way Home? Will you share what you knew during the eventual spoiler talk? No, here. Okay, yeah. During spoiler talk, I'll let you guys know what, what the images were. Um, no, the images. So the, the Spider-Man images that I had posted... I was getting ready to post a couple more. And that's when I got contacted and said, uh, actually, those pictures are pretty legitimate. You better take them down. And I had two others that I was getting ready to post too. And I assumed, once, once I found out that the other Spider-Man pictures were real, I assumed that these ones were from Spider-Man as well. That was my assumption. They weren't. And so, like, because I had shown them to Rob, and we had we watched Spider-Man together, and we came out. And we we're both like, that scene was not in Spider-Man. It must be from blah X. blah blah. Yes, it must be from blah blah blah. <laughs> and that just got me more excited. And when blah 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 happens, we will tell you what that picture was. And by the way, blah 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 is not multiverse of madness. Yep, we'll, t we'll tell you that much. Although we shouldn't narrow it down for people. Yeah, yeah, I'm we should, so right. out of the loop, but it's so frustrating. Um, but blah, blah, blah. When blah, blah, blah happens, we will totally tell you what the image was. 
As far as the images that we saw regarding Multiverse of Madness, yes, once the spoiler discussion comes, we will reveal what those images were and we'll let you guys Although, know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it could be. I, actually, yeah, it could be. It's possible. All right, what's next? Blake 62. Is there a lesson for Warner Brothers to learn from Peacemaker about first establishing characters that people care about, then making the big crossover movie? No. No. I, I will always go back to Guardians of the Galaxy. You did not need a standalone Star-Lord movie and then a standalone Gamora movie and then a standalone Drax movie and then a standalone Groot movie and then a standalone Rocket movie. You didn't need to do that. Just make Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, well, John, in the comic books, they're already a team. It doesn't matter. To the moviegoers, the moviegoers have never seen these characters and you didn't need to make individual films of them first to make a big team-up movie, which is what the Guardians are, mm -hmm. and have it be incredibly successful and beloved. You don't need to do solo movies first before having team-up and crossover movies. You don't. You just need to make... Do you think Tango and Cash? Did you need a Tango solo movie and then a Cash solo movie? Well, to be you fair, that would have been kind of cool. I mean, that also would have been pretty cool, yes. But did you need a Tango and a Cash movie before you made Tango and Cash? No, you did not. It's all. Did you need a solo Obi Wan Kenobi movie, a solo Luke Skywalker movie, a solo Han Solo movie, a solo Chewbacca? No, you make Star Wars, mm -hmm. and you write your characters well, and you do it right. And if you do that, I tell you, it's not the formula. You could have launched the DCU with a Justice League movie. You totally could have, and it totally could have been. And great. they were going to. And they were. George Miller on was going to do Justice League Mortal. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it could have been great if you write it great. Exactly. And if you do it well. It's all about making a great movie. It's not about a formula that you got to do individual film, individual film. That, nah, screw that formula. It can work, but so can the other ways. But anyway, that's my take on it. Anyway, I get worked up on that one. Thanks for sending that in, Blake. All right, what's next? Splinter Cell Tactical Espionage. Do you guys know that Battenson borrows some ideas from Legends of the Dark Knight Shaman issue? He's going to be a detective with Manor with manner like a witch doctor who examines crime scenes with precision. Well, look, from what we understand, Splinter Cell, there's about eight or nine or 10 different major influences that are going into this Batman, right? Reeves talked about a bunch of them. Uh, Pattinson has talked about a number of them too. So I'm absolutely sure you're probably right. Like I'm not familiar with Dark Knight Shaman. I'm not familiar with that particular story myself, but I wouldn't be surprised at all that, but there is, there's no one story. Matt Reeves made this pretty clear. There's no one story that is the definitive influence for this movie. Not year one, not Hush, not the long Halloween, but rather it's a conglomeration of a lot of those influences, and I'm sure that's one of them. Have you heard about any of the other influences? Well, that I are think in this Shaman one? is actually a Legends of the Dark Knight comic, if memory serves, and I have those. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I like you said, it, there's a number of different influences, but I think more so than the comics. I keep hearing David Fincher and Seven and Zodiac being referenced in relation to this yeah. movie, yeah. which excites me to no end. All right, what's next? Mr. Hank Dunn, Rex for Movie Club, Nightcrawler, Army of Darkness, John Carter. I love you, Philip Morris, <clears throat> and most definitely Jaws. I think out of all those, Jaws is probably the most likely. Um, some of those movies are great, that you meant, particularly Nightcrawler, and I love John Carter. But I think one of the things about Movie Club, I mean, we're still kind of defining what it is as we go. But I think one of the foundational things has to be that it's a movie that pretty much all of us have seen and celebrate and know. And love. And, and love. And we want to get together and talk about and celebrate that love we have for those movies. And a, number, yep, like, no. a lot of people didn't see John Carter. And a lot of people didn't see I Love You, Philip Morris. 
Uh, but Jaws, that's a Hollywood iconic film. That but I also think we there. talk about why these movies are iconic. How did they become so yes. beloved? And what is it about them that we should identify that make them worth watching? And you know what, John? A lot of our audience hasn't seen these movies. Case in point, <laughs> Mr. Ray Ora with a, yeah. with a zero has not seen. You've Raiders not seen Mayor's of the Lost Ark? I, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to say that. I just like all the modern stuff now. You know what I mean? I'm too spoiled by it. That's why I can't go back to the older Star Wars. That's why I like the fa like the prequels a lot. Well, because they were new. I'll, I'll just give you something. Spoiler. It takes place in 1936. So it's period accurate. Okay. Well, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to hate on it before I watch it. I'll just watch it. We'll see if I like it or not. Hopefully I like it so I can join this movie club. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. Because if I don't, I don't. I shouldn't be on the movie club. The, you that trust week. me, you're gonna like it. All right, we got to keep moving here because we're almost out of time. We still got a bunch of questions to get through. What's next? Julian Mott, happy Thursday, gang! Can't wait for the Batman. As do we all, Julian. Absolutely. All right, what's next? Facility guy, I may or may not be seeing Vengeance this afternoon. Oh, that would be awesome because I know there are some kind of screenings going on around Fortnite. If you do get a chance to see that, that's incredible, facility guy. I hope you have a great time at it, man. All right, what's next? Daniel Lyons, who sends in a $50 super chat. On top of the $100 Thank one he sent so in. Hey, Daniel. Yeah. Daniel. Daniel, you just rolling us. Okay. Also, I am looking forward to many movies this year. For me, I loved the Doctor Strange 2 trailer, freaked out hearing Professor X, also loved the Elvis trailer. I still get goosebumps seeing both trailers. Also, really excited <clears throat> for the Batman. Listen, I. That Elvis trailer was so good. So good. I I was like, I expected a good movie, Boz Lerman and, you know, Tom Hanks. I expect a good movie, but man, I did not expect to be taken with it like that. Did you have a chance to see that uh, that Elvis trailer? I can't yeah, remember if you were Yeah, I was on the show that day. Yeah. You were? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if your car had kept you away from no, that one. No, not that day. <laughs> oh, that one does look really, really it looks good. so good. But I mean, what's great too is as film fans, look at what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the Batman. Mm-hmm. And then a musical biopic about Elvis. I mean, two completely different kinds of stories, but they're completely getting our engines revving and they get us that same kind of excitement. And I love that about being a film fan. And I'm glad you're looking forward to those ones too, Daniel. And again, Daniel, thank you so much for supporting us on that level. That's incredibly generous of you. Thank you for supporting the content that you enjoy watching. We appreciate that, man. All right, what's next? Nikhil Gangaramani, thoughts on Death on the Nile. I liked it. Still didn't go see it. I haven't either. I was supposed I to go see it the other day, either. and I got to check it out. So, all right, what's next? Out of time, 1985. One year ago today, we got the title announcement for Spider-Man No Way Home. One year later, we got such an amazing movie. Was it really a year before the movie came out? Remember how they introduced that? Yeah, with them they coming into the office yeah, and the whiteboard. Yeah. Was that a cool. year? Mm -hmm. It feels like it was like five months ago. Dude. We're going to die soon. Time passes quickly. Of old right. age. Me too. What's next? <laughs> Terry, hey, John, you are such a fun YouTube host and quite the businessman. This is probably a long shot, but could you give some insight into the revenue and expenses of running the John Campia YouTube channel? Um, you I mean, I, I, I've been thinking that one of these days I should actually do a video explaining the, and breaking down the finances of, of what goes into uh, making this thing work. Obviously, the number one expense is staff. That's the number one expense of anything. Like the amount of money that I spend, it's awkward saying in front of these guys, but charging. Uh, <laughs> and don't forget the hot toy stipend you're going to add. And the hot toy stipend. Yeah. No, the, the amount of money, because remember, this, this is not a, a YouTube show where, hey, let's get together at 10 o'clock and just talk for three hours. 
20 to 30 man hours of work and energy and effort, like particularly between myself and Ray with the work he's doing, we add it up. It's like 20 to 30 hours of man, uh, man hours of work that goes into making each episode possible. That takes people to de dedicate a good chunk, if not full time. And if people are going to work full time, you got to pay them amount of money that allows them to live <laughs> because they're not doing other things. Hey. And also with the nature of movie news, the way it breaks randomly every, sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know, like some nights I'll be, or me and John will be working up until some, the latest has been like 3 a.m. Yeah. We've been up the, on the phone with break. each other and trying to work out like the graphic shifts and what points we're going to emphasize. And then early in the morning too, sometimes news breaks and things change and whatever I worked on gets scrapped to yep. fill in that other stuff. So there's a lot of, a sacrifice in in terms of the the time of days especially right. with news and stuff but i'm thinking for that video if you're going to do all the finances you should have the trade federation on they're, good. <laughs> they're good at it right <laughs> you should right well they're yeah. taxing the outlying systems um but you know? yeah so i mean that's the number one stuff but there's a lot more expensives too like you you would not believe if i told i've told rob you would not believe how much we have to pay in taxes the, the, the size of the tax check that I have to cut every year is more than most people make in a year. And it, it's it's a crazy, so on top of all that, there's then equipment, the services and, and subscriptions Power. we do, uh, just the pure electric bill of running this thing. I've, I've compromised that now. We got <laughs> solar. We got the entire studio running on solar power now, including the air conditioner, which I'm very excited Hopefully, about. Hopefully, but it's raining. But then there's like, like we're about to go cover um, we're about to go cover CinemaCon. That's going to cost us a thousand dollars a person just for the passes to go. Now we could get, we could get press passes, but the press passes do not get us full entry into having the full CinemaCon experience that I want to make sure we have and then communicate to our audience. So it's things like that. And then, you know, stuff like the fan screening we have coming up, stuff like when we got to replace cameras and gears and like the fact that I got to spend the highest amount of money you possibly can on an internet connection that even then sometimes fails me i mean so there's a lot of expenses then there's different avenues of revenue we have there is the youtube ads that we have that is is still our number one primary revenue source now is our sponsorships which is our number two ad revenue source we make anywhere between you know one to two hundred dollars a day on the podcast feed uh then we get um the tip questions that people send in for us doing uh mailbag and things like that. So, yeah, one of these days I'll break down. I'll spend a good half hour breaking down how we run the finances and, and try to make sure we're always staying on the positive end of things. But one of my main principles, and I think you guys have seen this, is that the money that comes in, I immediately turn it around and put it back into the show. So as we have our revenue growing, I'm bringing more people on and I'm paying people more. I, I mean... And I can put Ray on the spot, but one of the first, like when the, one of the first things I do whenever we have revenue, like significant revenue increases, the first thing I do is I give Ray a raise like yes. every time. <laughs> so Ray's always really happy. I need it, baby. <laughs> and, and like we pay Rob more now than we've, we've certainly ever paid Rob before. And, you know, we're able to pay Chris more now than we've ever paid her before. And we're able to pay Aaron more now than we've ever paid her before and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. you're making a TV show. Just because it's on YouTube, this could be the Today Show. You know, and the Today Show probably costs 60 or 70 grand a day to produce. You're making a daily two and a half hour long television show. It just happens to be on YouTube. 
Yeah, and it's expensive to do if when you try to do it right. And we try to again, we try to put all the money back into the show to give our audience, whether it means better mics, better cameras, mm -hmm. better lights, whatever we can do to make our viewers experience watching and participating in our show a better experience. Look at the studio. Yeah. You remodeled part of your house specifically to be a studio. Well, and, and yeah. I've I've worked for some other channels and stuff too. And something that I think y'all need to know is that the level of support that's at this channel too is really, really wonderful. So not only does John make sure that we are all taken care of monetarily and then also just like as people, because we're all people first, it's just really, really nice to work at a place that you are treated well and you're valued. Yes. It's a huge difference because that's not always the case. I've you're so right about that, Sarah. Worked for some clunkers. Thank oh you so gosh, much Oh my gosh, how rude. I oh, sorry, what's your name again? About you. Oh, I thought so. Oh. That was nice thing to say. Uh, everyone here sucks and I take back everything nice. Oh. I oh. There's, there's, there's something else too about Don't this channel. <laughs> I, I mean, there's something else. Like we all, all, like you are a working voiceover artist. You're a working actor. Aaron is a working actor. I'm certainly a working filmmaker. Yeah. John brings institutional knowledge of this of YouTube that not many people have. Mm -hmm. John, you go all the way back, you were talking about, you read a, a, a movie blog that you wrote uh, 20 or uh, 19 years ago on the show the other day. Yeah. 19, about about Tobey Maguire, or about uh, about uh, Christian Bale yeah, getting two, cast July, as Batman. June or July of 2003, I made my first movie blog post. So you've been doing this for almost 20, almost 20 years. years. Yeah. So unlike, and this is not just to toot our own horns, but we are bringing that knowledge and not every YouTuber has that. Yeah. So no. I was tired of being a gigolo too. You know. <laughs> you were real good at it though, right? Making paper. That way, that that you know, sometimes oh, you get too making old. Making paper, making ladies smile. Oh. Can't get too old. Can't really. No wonder manscaping sponsors his channel. Yeah. It's a tough life. Well, I saw you mentioned everyone else's former or current. Hard out there you know, for pimp, I just right? I didn't want to know if you wanted that out there. So as long as you you're know, going to reveal that. All right, listen, we actually, we have some more questions we got to get to here before we wrap up today. Okay, what's next? Mike Joyce loved the spirited debate yesterday. Is Ray okay? Are you Ray's okay? good, Ray's good. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, Rob and I were talking about after, we, we love it when we can get into like, we can get some really good debates and stuff like yeah. that. And, and listen, it's, it's always great too, because I know when we get in these debates, I know Rob is going to bring up some excellent points. I know Aaron's going to bring up some excellent points when she was on the show yesterday. I know I'm going to bring all the right points. It's always good to have that good kind of debate. So it's it's always fun. No, it's I love always it. fun. We love having those types of discussions. All right, what's next? Great. Elizabeth Arado, speaking of behind the scenes yesterday, have you guys seen Assembled on Disney Plus? It's a behind the scenes doc about the new TV movies. They're pretty awesome. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they they do a new one, don't they? What, what is that? What they call the ones that like after WandaVision was dropped, they put out a is it is it do they call that? Uh, I think that was still. It's assembled. called assembled. Is yeah, they call that assembled. Yeah, they do some pretty good stuff on really that. Really good. Oh, oh, that's a Hawkeye one last night. Ooh. Oh, did you? After Free Guy, it's How pretty good. It? I like like all those. They're pretty. See, good. you should make more special feature stuff. Although, just like the Mandalorian one, really frustrated me when they didn't talk about the Luke appearance. I think they did later <laughs> on, but they did when they first came out. They made the Wanda one, the WandaVision one, and not talk about the one thing that everybody talking about the most, which was the Quicksilver fake out. They didn't even touch it or address it. No. Now, that one frustrated me. You know right. why? No, why? Because they're not done with oh, it. Oh, they're done. With it. <laughs> they're done with it. All right, what's next? Kevin Chili Malone, I'm very excited to hear about Rob losing his Office V card. I truly hope he was wined, dined, and 69'd. 
I have no oh, idea what that. No, not the office. office. The, the office. Yeah, yeah, the the office. The show, not our office, but the wine office. dined in '69. You know what? I appreciate you looking out for my needs. <laughs> that guy's right. name says it all. Kevin cool. Chili Malone. All right, what's next? <laughs> Tacky 75 in the trailer when strange crashes into the animated universe he turns into a cartoon himself i didn't see him turn into a cartoon himself i did notice the cartoon world in the background but i didn't notice him but it could very well be there Taki. i'll have to take another look at that all right what's next john redcorn again let's get black adam and peacemaker season two rock versus cena yeah the, somebody else brought that up before the problem is that's a real short fight Black Adam versus Peacemaker is a real short yeah. fight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right, what's next? Victor Edbum. Uh, what's your favorite scene in a Jim Carrey movie? Mine is the rhino scene from Ace Ventura 2. I can't stop laughing when Dude, I watch don't it. Don't laugh. As soon as you start asking the question, my mind went there. Because Ace Ventura 2 is terrible. It is terrible. But that moment, oh, my God. That moment is so funny. I, I, I don't know. Listen, Jim Carrey... Whether you're talking Dumber Dumber or The Mask or what, he has some absolutely fantastic hilarious scenes. Like the dance number between him and Cameron Diaz in the first Mask, as the juke music is playing and stuff like that. Good. I, so funny. But that Rhino move moment's pretty damn funny. Do you it's guys have really one that stands fun. out to you? Probably Truman Show. Yeah, I love some, Truman Show. I mean, probably when he realizes and breaks free from, from mm -hmm. his confinement. My or parents used to live near that town. It's the, where they filmed it, Seaside, Florida. It's bananas when you go there. Really? No yeah. Way. It's so creepy. The first time I took my husband there, he was like, what the fuck is happening? Why are we here? <laughs> oh, that's are you a real person? So, All right, yes. what's next? Danito, how are you guys going to handle questions about Multiverse of Madness? Um, it, it's the same thing. Like there, there have been other movies that have come out that we saw things for and we knew things about. Um, and... We'll, I'll simply say, like, if a question comes up that touches up or bumps up against something that we already know, I'll, I'll just kind of mention, it's like, you know what, I already saw some things that if I answered would either give you a positive or a negative understanding there, and so I, I just need to pass on it. And that's that's what we'll do for multiple I think we should just make stuff up. Because who's, to say, who's to say that it wasn't in some multiverse Well, no, because happened. then our audience want to know if they could trust what we're saying moving forward. Like, I know. But no, our audience always has to know only that they can only trust about what this. We're no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we'll it would be tough. It'll be tough. But we'll. I'll give you the heads up that hey, this is a question that an answer would bump up against knowledge that we actually have, and so therefore need to just pass on the question. You know what I mean? So that's how we'll try to handle that moving forward. All right, what's next? T Bone. Hey gang, curious about your thoughts on Deep Space Nine. I love it. What are your favorite episodes oh. in the cards? For well, me? we don't have a lot of time here because we're almost out of time to go deep into Deep Space Nine. But Deep Space Nine was great. It, it, it was really, really wonderful. I mean, it's a tale of two shows for me because it's a show that became great yes. uh, to me. But it's it's a absolutely worthy. I mean, I still have Enter uh, Enterprise. I still have Next Generation as the best of the post-original series shows. But it was really, really good. I also think the sixth season of Deep Space Nine is overall the strongest season of modern Star Trek of any season. And uh, you want to look at great episodes like In the Pale Moonlight, The Visitor, Homefront. I mean, there's so many great episodes of Deep Space Nine. All right, what's next? Oday Alyamani, nipple watch. <laughs> none, no nipples to be found on Patrick uh, on, uh, on Pattinson's Batman suit. Hey, John, Rob, Chris, and Ray. I'm so excited for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, especially after watching you guys talk about what you've seen. Yeah, all we can say is that, damn, what we did see Bro. is very exciting.
And it's got us like I, I'm already excited for Multiverse Madness, and I'm even more excited now. I I cannot wait. I cannot wait for us all to see it. All right, what's next? Ginger Beef Junior. who sends uh, one of two, but I can't find the second one. Um, hi, John, Rob, and crew. Love you guys, and I watch daily. Oh, thank you, man. About Netflix's Marvel shows coming to Disney Plus in Canada in today's episode. Disney Plus in California does have parental controls, which you are required to set it up to watch Star. I assume Star Wars. Or star? Well, they've got star as their thing. That that's oh, yeah. the parental oh. control. Right, but that's not in California. That's in Canada. I think you meant CA. Oh, in Canada. oh he probably means CA. Okay. Oh, that yeah. makes a lot more sense, Ginger Reef. Yeah, like, and that's the difference, right? There are some international markets, apparently including Canada, where they have that star section, right? Because those territories don't have Hulu. Here in the states, where they have Hulu, they tend to put that there. But are they going to kind of merge that in? I don't know. That's what we've got to find out. So thanks for giving us that update, Ginger Beef Jr. Appreciate that very much, man. All right. What's next? Addison, my issue with not showing film editing during the show with the whole speech is, what are films without editing? The same can be said without score. Uh, irrelevant. It, it, that, that doesn't matter. What are films without hair and makeup? What are films without costumes? Look, all the disciplines that go into making movies are vitally important. It's not, this is not the Oscars saying, this is what we say is important or not. This is the Oscars acknowledging what is important to the audience and isn't. And sorry, that's just the way it is. I had actually a conversation with a friend of mine on the phone last night. That was, well, you know, if they give a little bit less attention to the, 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 the disciplines of film editing or hair and makeup, then the audience won't gain an appreciation for them. So they've had 75 years to gain an appreciation for them with them being as part of the Oscars and broadcasting the regular live thing. And, it's, and it hasn't worked. What makes things going to work now? But again, I, I just want to emphasize to people, they have not taken them out of the Oscars. They're going to be there and in the Oscars. And before throwing the panic button and running around like Chicken Little declaring that the sky is falling, let's wait to see what they have in mind. Because I have a feeling, and I might be dead wrong about this, but I have a feeling when we watch the show, we're not going to feel too terribly much of a difference. I, I really don't. Now, I could be wrong about that. We may watch this and I might be going, oh my God, that was a bloody mess. Like the train station thing last year. And maybe I will, in which case they got to change it. But until they do, I'm just, I'm just seeing these narratives running around, Rob, and people saying, can you believe they took this out of the Oscars? Time out. They didn't take it out of the Oscars. Well, they took it out of the show. No, they didn't. It just when those things get awarded, it won't be live. And how big or little of an impact that's going to be, let's wait and see. Because I have a feeling it's not, we're not going to notice it too much. But then again, I may be singing a completely different song the day after the Oscars. We'll find out. All right, what's next? Daya Alasharor. <laughs> Fun trivia. If Ariana DeBose wins, it'll be the third time that two different actors have won an Oscar for playing the same character. The other two are Vita Court. Corleone and Joker. Now she's the one who plays the younger version of of uh, Olivia Coleman. Um, in no, the Lost this would be her winning for um, for playing, playing Rita Anita Moreno's. In oh West Side yes, Story. yes, yes, because Rita Moreno won won a oh that's right Anita. And there was talk that Rita Moreno may have gotten a, came close to getting a nomination herself, mm -hmm. which really would have been interesting because she might have become the first actress to win to be nominated for an Academy Award for playing two different characters in the same original story, mm -hmm. or or would it have been? Yeah, I think it would have been. No, no, no. Rocky. 
No, because that's that's a continuation of the story. It wasn't a, a remake. It was just a continuation of it. So I don't know. might have been the first time ever. All right. Well pointed out, Dea. All right. What's next? Rasha Jasim just sends in a super chat to support. Thank you, man. Michael Pacheo finished Arcane Season 1. So dope. What are you looking forward to in Season 2? P.S. Love Jinx. Um, anything they're going to do. Yeah, that show is so cool. It, it Look, it, it's, in my opinion, it's the best <clears throat> animated series ever. I have, Whoa. at least for me, I have ne like, and that was an ad. Ah, it's based on a video game, and it's gonna be. Ah. I watched it. It is the Game of Thrones of the animated world. It is to me. It is the best animated TV series ever, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's what it is to me. I, I just loved it, and I, I have no idea what they're gonna do in the second season. Don't even really care. All I know is that they've shown they can tell great stories, and I'm look. I'm there for whatever stories they want to tell. All right, what's next? Now we're just closing out with some support. Noah AG, FPV Forever, and Chris Wall, who sends in $27.12. For a split second, I thought he sent in $2,712. <laughs> Is that that little dot got lost in there. But thank you for that, Chris, very much, as well as to all you guys. And thank you to all of you for joining us in with today's episode of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much, guys, for making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all of you guys who sent in those comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it, making it possible for us to do the show at all. I want to thank everybody sitting in the room, going around the circle. We, of course, have Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Aura, Chris Carr, and myself, John Campia. That'll do it for us for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.